You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you, and we're doing something just a little bit different, because my friend Emma Dumont and I are going to try to talk about science and end up talking about science and a bunch of tangential topics are along the way. First off, I do want to apologize for how long this one has taken. I have had a lot of life stuff just happen health stuff with my wife. I've taken on a new job and I still had to work at my old job because it was the the same company. So I was kind of doing double duty and just between all that stuff, six weeks uh, somehow went by. And actually this recording that you're going to hear came from the end of May. So Emma, I apologize to you also that it's taken so long to get the content out. But yeah, I'm apologizing also to all of you. But I don't want this to be about that, about me. Things should be fine now. Maybe the next episode is also going to be a little delayed, but only by maybe skipping a week. And I'm going to try to make sure that that doesn't happen. But from there on, things should get fairly ironed out and we should get back to a weekly schedule again. So that should be that. Anyway, yeah, I just want to focus on the idea of us doing a science topic that we want to sort of broaden the show a little bit. And we haven't talked about science in a very long time since we interviewed Dr. Aaron McDonald, but it was really great getting Emma back on the show and getting out of more of the formal interview kind of mindset and just having us just kind of talk. It was a lot of fun, and I really hope to get her back on to talk about science as well as other topics, but her schedule and her life have been even more hectic than mine has been lately, so we'll see how all that goes. But for now... We're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we're going to get into my conversation with Emma Dumont. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. And we're inviting you to join us as we dwell into the dawn of the DC. We'll be reviewing new titles such as The Unstoppable Doom Patrol, Shazam, Green Lantern, Titans, Justice Society of America, and more. We'll also be reviewing DC Television's final season of The Flash, Titans, and Doom Patrol. Join us every week on the Earth Station DCU Podcast, part of the ESO Network. And we're back. And like we talked about on the top of the show, we have a guest today. 
She is our favorite mutant. She is the basis for M theory, and she is a coherent beam of light here to enlighten us, and that is Emma Dumont. Oh my gosh, I'm speechless because that was such a good intro. Other than that, I stumbled on part of it, but you know. <laughs> it was so good. I loved it. And I'm honored to be here. I can't wait for our fun, fun, um, fun talk today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, this is the first time we're doing something like this. So everyone listening at home, feedback is definitely welcome on this. Whether you think that this is a cool thing to do, if you want us to vary it up somehow, just let us know. So let me just back up a little bit. One of the things that Emma and I discovered when we started talking with each other is we are both nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> like, I don't talk about that a lot because I find that people are more interested in the more geeky side, you know, like more of like the science fiction rather than science or the fantasy and stuff like that. And so I'm actually interested in real science. I actually watch like science documentaries and stuff. Yes. And so, yeah, Emma and I started talking and it was like, oh, wow. You studied engineering and you're into science topics and you post about M theory on your Instagram. <laughs> Just because I want to start a cool casual convo. Right. <laughs> like, hey, anyone want to join the chat? <laughs> yeah. At 2 a.m. like here, like, oh, okay, 2 a.m. my time. But like, you know, here's like, hey, here, what do you guys think about M theory? Like, you know, yeah, you which, which flavor of string theory is your favorite? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, fantastic. Yes, exactly. I think there's nothing wrong about that. And in fact, I think nerd nerdy talk is very cool. But I do have to say, I appreciate your distinction between geek culture and nerd culture, because yeah. there is very a very big difference. But I feel people use the terms interchangeably, which I kind of get confused. Thank you. No, this has been one of the things that I have been talking about for a long time is like people oh, good, use those okay. interchangeably and they're me. two different things. Guys, completely different. I mean, there is definitely overlap. Mm -hmm. Let's admit it. However, one is fictional science and one is actual science. <laughs> <laughs> so how I distinguish is like being a geek is like you're just really into something. It can be anything. You can be like a mystery geek or whatever. But that's your thing is you're like, you're just like really into it. But, like, nerd has to definitely do with, like, you really like knowledge. Yeah. Actual not. So, you know, science nerd, history nerd, whatever. But you like some branch of knowledge or multiples, and that's what you're really into. But, yeah, a lot of people use them interchangeably. I'm like, no, no, no. These are two different things. Completely different things. Also, I want to bring up the fact that you listed history as a, um, I guess, as a, a category of knowledge. I think it's strange that people don't understand, like, you know how they call them, like, what do they call the humanities or whatever? Yeah. It's like English. The thing is, linguistics and history is the same as biology or any of these other sciences that we've studied to just understand the world we live in, our experiences here, and that, you know, as the world as we observe it, right? So I think it's weird that people differentiate between, like, say, like physics and history because there's so much overlap and if you go into like a meta-analysis of like the space-time of our experience on earth there's like no reason to separate them as much as we do you have gone somewhere interesting and this is totally off topic for what we talked about oh, what we were going to talk okay, about cool. but i want i want to i want to drill down into this a little bit so how do you feel about you know so like we're told from a very young age that you're either into the arts or you're into the sciences what do you think about that I think that's heinous. Excuse my language. <laughs> I think, I mean, you you um understand like there's math and science. There's math in 
everything. There's math in the curve of a shell and the curve of a rose in the music of an instrument, the vibrations, the sound. It is all science, right? Yep. In fact, music, that's the, that's the thing. No, no. So like um, Rachel, my daughter is a cellist. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on the show before. I know I've talked to you about it. And we talk about this, about like that music is both science and art. Yes. yes. Because there's math to music and there's principles about why, you know, music is interesting to us and what's actually happening in our brains when we hear the music and why it sounds good and stuff like that. See, she has perfect pitch. Um. So we talk about like, sometimes there'll just be a random sound in the house and she'll be like A flat. Yeah, you know, yeah like, I love that. Like, <laughs> That's fantastic. That's so great. I love that. Yeah, but we talk about things like resonances and things like yes. that, which is, you know, they're science principles and they apply to music. And and like you, I have long thought that this whole thing that we do, because I think we're limiting a lot of young minds by saying, well, you're really into the arts, so you're not going to be good at the sciences. Or you're really good at the sciences and math, and so you're not going to be good at this artistic stuff. And we limit people to think of themselves in this sort of narrow way when I think there's a lot of stuff of interest in all of it. In all of it. Exactly. Yeah. And music is a perfect example because music, as we know, is math. Music is also um, psychology, how it makes us feel, what it does to our brain, chemicals, the synapses firing, literally. So there's biology as well. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's also an art form. It's a, a passionate, creative expression. There's history in music, where it came from, how it changes, how it changes with time and current events in history. The music of the 70s is different than the music of the 1870s and the music mm -hmm. of the 1770s because of the things that were changing in time. So that's history. It really is everything and all of it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have you seen that movie? No, I'm saving it. Oh, okay. It is well worth your while. Yes, yes. You know how I feel about, you know, I'm not a rated R person. Like, typically, mm -hmm. I like things to be like a little, you know, not so in your face with the violence and, you know, yeah, not so yeah. much language and stuff. But that is a movie that is written so well that I think everyone needs to see it. It is that, like, it works on, like, five different levels at once. And, like, it still amazes because usually, like, when movies swing for the fences like that, like, you know, oh. like, it'll be like, oh, like, this part of it worked really well, but these other things didn't really work together with it exactly. that well. Yeah. Like, sometimes my comment is, like, meanwhile, in another movie, you know, yeah, where it's like, it's yeah. the same movie, but it's like, you know, there are like, parts. Oh, this part didn't really work, but good try, you know? <laughs> right. But yeah, didn't it win, like, every award or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. Won, it won a lot. It won a lot. So, yeah, I just, I just wanted to put that in there because you mentioned it. So I just wanted to be like, okay, that is a great movie and you yes. definitely should okay, watch it. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm saving <laughs> My, my endorsement, I have stamped oh, it on. Good. I'm okay. sure that was really important for you. It's Nathan approved, everyone. We it's need Nathan approved, yes, yes, it's yes. Official. Like, I love it. But yeah, so that kind of leads me to what I wanted to ask you when we first started. I wanted to ask, like, there's a, this transition. I mean, everyone knows STEM. It's science, technology, engineering, math. And recently people have changed it to STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Oh, okay. So that was sort of already along in, like, yeah, the mindset yeah, that exactly. I was having. Okay, all right. And I think that's so smart because, again, how dare we tell young people that you can only be, you know, quote unquote, right or left brain. I think that's doing them such a disservice. And I understand why they are doing it, because this country is has a horrible education system. <clears throat> I won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> but I think it's actually like stifling young people. And it's a, it's a, it's a oppression that lasts their entire lives. 
Yeah. So this is where sometimes I have difficulty and this is me being the pragmatist that I am all the time. And, and <laughs> this might make me an awful person. I don't know. So I'm revealing oh. to the internet that I'm an awful person. <laughs> I see some memes and things that sometimes are like, well, engineering might build things, but without the arts, you wouldn't enjoy life. And I'm like, well, that's true. There is definitely a pri primacy. <laughs> Because if you didn't have the buildings, you would not live long and therefore could not enjoy your arts. Oh, good. So you, yeah, yeah. We're on the same page. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, good, good, good. Yes, yes. Like, which came first? Like, shelter or the violin? You know what right. I mean? We love and appreciate the arts. The arts to me, like, quote, unquote, the arts, because as we discussed, they all are part of the sciences. But the mm. arts to me are humanity. Those are the joys, the beautiful things, the things we love, the things we, the, the things, you know, even we were talking about books earlier. I mean, the written word, it's beautiful. It's, you know, but at the same time, it's a science, it's linguistics. But I just, I think, yes, please, without the bridges, without the shelters, <laughs> we're, we're dead. <laughs> it's just like, it's just a knee jerk reaction I have when I see memes like that is just because I'm like, and maybe that's selfish on my part because I'm an engineer. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe what I do is more valuable, but I definitely no. appreciate the arts. No, of course. And it, and for me, it's not, it's not about, because we're at a place, we're so advanced right now. We're actually so, we're, our innovation is so into creating like ease of life, right? We're all having the easiest life imaginable at all times, but we're all miserable. So I actually think when people make those memes, I've actually never seen those memes or else I don't know what my reaction would be. I think they sort of mean that the arts are really important. I'm hoping what they're saying is that the arts are very important right now. Mm-hmm. But I will admit, I will admit, just like you, Nathan, and if this makes me a terrible person, then please come come and, and cancel me. I will do it gladly. But when when I was a teenager and they first started making it from STEM to STEAM, I actually got a little bit defensive, even though I worked in the arts. I was an actor. But I was like, wait a second, without the camera, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this story couldn't be told to everyone in the nation. Without the television, without the, the system, without the internet, without any of these technical things, these sort of soft things wouldn't reach the masses. So yeah, I was a little bit of a butthead. Right. And, and it's one of those things. Oh, have you paused? For me, anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, you, I... you paused for a second. And, and so like. <laughs> oh, no. Did the I? Internet. Oh, no. Oh no, see, without the internet, just like <laughs> <laughs> just my point was made for me. Maybe it was meant to be. I don't know. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we are in a place right now where, yes, I, I totally agree. And, and we should be very supportive of the arts because that is a thing that people it's important regardless. And I will definitely say that, but there is the mentality of like for hard times or for when things are difficult that like more effort does need to be put into the sciences, the engineering, the things that will develop the systems that yeah, like medicine. allow life to happen to, to yes, like exactly. to create the infrastructure we need to be able to keep things going. Absolutely. And it's, we just had a, a, a huge global pandemic. And what did we desperately need during the global pandemic? We needed medical science. You know what mm. I mean? So like, yes, I, I agree. In crisis, we've got, we've got to push the hard skills. We've got to push together, all of us. And it's not about you have to do this and you can't do this. Please go home, listen to Taylor Swift in your car, go home and play your viola. Please play your video games, do all of the amazing, like, humanities things you love read your books write your poetry paint sculpt do all those things you have to to 
to balance, you know, balance out your mind yourself. But again, I do think um, that things, I guess I will say things in the physical, logical world, opposed to things in the uh, emotional world seem to be, when it comes to physical survival, they take a slight priority. I will say that. Right. And that's the thing. And I'm glad that you brought that up, though, that an individual can do both, right? Absolutely. Even if your job is in science, technology, medical, engineering, whatever, enjoy the arts and develop any hobbies that you want to. Absolutely. To keep that part of your brain satisfied because it does help quality of life and it does help enjoyment. Like any any creative stuff that you, I mean, we can cre- consume creative content. But you can also create creative content. And there's so many different ways of being creative. Like, I can't draw. This is a thing. This is a scientifically proven fact. I can't draw. I can't draw either. (laughs) I can't draw stick figures. Like, people criticize my stick figures, okay? So, like, that's how bad I am at drawing. I literally, the only reason when I was a kid in elementary school that I didn't get on the honor roll is because I got C's in art. (gasps) How dare they? You were robbed. I'm starting a campaign. You were robbed, Nathan. You were robbed from your honor roll. But here, I have a question for you. If I gave you some vector forces of, or like some sort of, I don't know, how about some sort of like, um, yeah, if I gave vector forces of just like a simple mechanism, would you be able to draw them out for me and label them? Yeah, I mean, I mean... If if it's something that I can draw digitally, I can do it. <laughs> I can't draw very well. What if I what if I like give you a ruler? Oh, or like graph paper, like you know, like yeah. with a ruler. Like, yeah, I mean I can draw stuff with graph paper and a ruler, like okay, and great. Do, so you like, can draw. Well, yeah. Boom. <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, I I mean that doesn't really count to me, but that's fine. Okay, well, I think it counts. <laughs> we, we are we are drawers, we're artists, but we're artists within the lines. You know? <laughs> Right, but I wanted to. What I wanted to mention, though, is like I can play a musical instrument. I like to write that, you know, like and write fiction, write prose, and I enjoyed acting. Like whether or not my acting was any good, but I did. I was in drama class in high school, so I've done those things as sort of creative endeavors. And so, even though my day job is engineering, that's not like the sum total of my life. Yeah, and can I ask you a question about your artistic endeavors? Sure. Do you feel that, like, for acting, for example, because it's something I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. when you act, do you do you view it as a technical thing? Like, do you think, like, in order to display this emotion, I'm going to make this face? Or do you see it as sort of just, like, I'm just doing, trying my best, whatever I feel in the moment, I'm just doing it off of feeling? It is definitely the second one. I am just trying to do the character. Whatever, like, the, the thing is, you know, like, that I'm supposed to be doing, I just try to do it. I don't try to, like, hit a mark or be very precise in the way that I do it. And for me, I mean, it was low stakes. It was a high school thing. It wasn't something where like I was going to make money off of it or whatever. But yeah, no, I didn't. I was not very technical with it. That's amazing. I love that. And so that just proves our point that someone can both be a technical thinker, like a thinker and also a feeler. And mm-hmm. that this exists in all of us. I love that. I'm so glad that was your answer. Yeah, I don't even know how you would do writing technically. I mean, I know there are AIs. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> <laughs> talking about AI. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's funny you say that because I actually have I have a um, very specific theory about um, it sort of relates to psychology and writing. And I think there are definitely people who write by equation and then there are people who write by feeling. And Mm. so I I think there is absolutely ways that can happen. And I think maybe sometimes that writing could be the um, 
less fulfilling type of work, maybe potentially. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I can't speak to that. But if, again, it's the humanity part, the artistic part that really brings those things that makes us touches us, like touches our souls, you know? So you're, you're actually going into something that, again, I wasn't intending to talk about this, but again, like, I just find this conversation great. I'm so sorry. We always do this, don't we? No, 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 no. I love this. I love this because this is like, we're just like hitting off each other, but like, okay. So like, I've been thinking recently about the fact that there are some things that I don't need to think about. They yeah. just happen in my brain. So like, and what you're talking about, like, I never thought about it, like with the acting before, but it was something like, I don't actively think about everything that I'm doing when I try to act or, or when I'm trying to write. The thing that I was thinking of actually was the fact that I can, so I used to, <laughs> my family hates it when I do this. So I will pause a show when we're watching it and I will tell my family how it's going to play out and then I'll press play again. And like, it's not like I think like, okay, like based on this, this is going to happen or actually think out anything. It's just a thing that happens in the back of my mind Yes, that tells me this is how this is going to happen. And so I'll tell them how it's going to happen. And I'm not perfect on that, but it happens more often. Like yeah. it happens the way that I, they, they told me stop doing it because I was ruining like TV yes. for them. But <laughs> I do that too. It's awful. People hate it. People hate it so much. But the truth is, I really, to, you do that exact thing. I, act, I do that exact thing, but I, I don't pause it. I just speak over the movie. I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen? It's awful. But the thing, that thing, I try to convince other people too. I'm like, you can do it too. You can do it. Try, just try. Just don't think about it. Just try it. Have the feeling of it. And you know what, Nathan? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought this up. You're gonna think I'm absolutely insane. This is gonna sound like the most craziest meta analysis analysis, AI, hippy dippy nonsense um, talk in the whole world. You're going to think I'm a hippy dippy um, artsy fartsy person, but I have to say this, that feeling, that feeling, that thing that we can't describe, that thing that we can't really put into words, we can't put into numbers. I truly, okay, I'm going to say something that, please don't call my psychiatrist because I promise. <laughs> I promise, oh, I've got him on speed dial or her. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> no, I, that thing, I really do believe, oh, I, I don't even know how to say this. I feel that that is the fifth dimension. Mm. Because we know about space-time. We understand that something happened in 1995 in Seattle, Washington, is different than something that happened in 2005 in New York City, right? Opposite parts of the country, different times. We can understand the nuances and the differences between those things, but we can put words to them. I can say Seattle, Washington in 1995, this, uh, this event happened. And these were, these were the uh, political feelings of the County at the time. And I can say in 2005 in New York, it differed from uh, Seattle 1995 because of these specific reasons. It's something we can actually put words to, but this other thing, this feeling, this nuance, the human hu nuance of humanity, just the things we can't explain. I really, really do feel <laughs> That though that is like the next thing and what we're trying to you know find in the world because we under we can see the three dimensions right mm -hmm. and we understand space time and I really do feel it's the next the next thing is that that just that thing I don't even have a word for it okay now I seem crazy <laughs> I've actually read something that's similar to what you're saying so there's an author named H Beam Piper oh he wrote in the late fifties and early sixties now this is science fiction this is this is fiction <laughs> yeah sure. But the idea that he put forward in his fiction 
in a series about paratime, about multiple, the, the multiverse, basically. This yeah. is, the, the multiverse has been around for a lot longer than Marvel, everyone. Yeah, like, yeah, people is... don't know that. Surprise <laughs> <Right>? kid. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so his postulate was that, okay, again, because we're dealing with, you know, late 50s, early 60s, you know, so you said hippy dippy, you know. But his idea was that, so while you're sleeping, your mind is in the astral plane. And in the astral plane, time doesn't exist. And so you're, like, you're sort of beyond that dimension. And you are connecting with all of you across time. So when you have bad outcomes, like when you wake up and you have a feeling like I should go left instead of right or whatever, that is because you're remembering an alternate life where you went right instead and something bad happened to you. So you are like subconsciously i need to go left and that's how the multiverse happens and so like basically both things happen and there are these different iterations of you because of the fact that you've connected across time with yourself okay this is getting way too we're i thought we're like we're gonna have a technical talk about science and now we're talking about like fictional <laughs> so, well i mean I, just as an aside i mean i don't want to get deep yeah, into this because no, no, there's no, really no course. basis like beyond that to talk about i'm just saying like it's not so far outside of like like what you're saying isn't something that hasn't been thought before that there might not okay. be like some okay. basis for this idea that if there are 11 dimensions so that's one of the things that m theory you know getting into some science you know that's talks about if there are 11 dimensions are we really limited to three or do we just perceive the three? Yes. Yeah. Is there, are there connections that we don't see? Yes. You know, beyond the three that we see. Yeah. I, I would completely agree with that. I believe that we see the three and then I believe then it's uh space time, which is something that we can't see, but we can like into mm -hmm. intellectualize. We like think about it, right. We can process mm -hmm. it in our brains. So that's like not in the physical world, but that's in our brains. And then the next one would be, so it's touch, think. And then the next one, I think would be feel it'd be like that thing like that that author said so I don't know so tell me about your thoughts do you think it's a 10 or do you think it's 11 <laughs> let's get into the nitty-gritty <laughs> I mean I I don't know but I mean I always go with 11 because 11 just sounds better <laughs> <laughs> since we've like moved into this new um you know this new um what's it called uh, like a little uh what is it road to m theory and into the 11 um dimensions i really have been thinking about the 10 dimensions and if we take into the, the into the consideration that it is really nine plus one that we can't um what is the word i'm thinking of nine plus the one that we oh uh like per not perceive but it's the any it's the um uh infinite it's the anything it's the gosh my i have no scientific words oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right i do think we need to back up a little because we're going like straight into m theory without like so like i'm expecting people to listen to this like we're actually going to like talk to them about like the basis for all of this oh, yes, a little bit instead first. of like I'm so sorry <laughs> i thought i was just talking to my friend nathan okay friends, let's begin. <laughs> you went right to 11 literally <laughs> yeah, straight to 11 <laughs> Yes, that's great. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about string theory. Let's talk about this. I think we need to back up even and talk about quantum theory a little bit before oh, we talk yes, about string theory. Because, again, we've got quantum mania and all this stuff like that gets thrown at people a lot with science fiction. And I feel like it's really poorly explained to people yeah. in a lot of things. Not at all. I saw a meme recently where somebody was like, Schrodinger's funeral and everybody's eyeing his coffin like he's going to come out of it. And I'm like, that's not what the box is actually saying. The thing that goes into the box has to be alive. 
<laughs> you know, it's not saying that if you put something in a box, it is both alive and dead. That's not what Wait, it's saying. Please tell me that you did not actually see that meme. I didn't see it. That doesn't make any sense, friends. I know. <laughs> okay, now I'm frustrated. It's the the point of the cat is that the cat is already in the box. You're not putting a dead guy in a coffin and being like, oh, is it going to come to life? <laughs> right. No, it's the state of unknown. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, so even backing up a little bit more. Yes, okay. You lead. lead. (laughs) Scientists over 100 years ago were like, oh, we keep on seeing things that are smaller and smaller because we're getting better and better microscopes and we can delve deeper. And everyone expected to find, like, and those of you who play Minecraft, they expected to find bedrock, right? Like there was a point past which you couldn't go anymore. They all expected... There would be the tiniest particle, and once you found the tiniest particle, you'd be able to describe everything in the universe from that tiny particle up. Yeah, that's the answer, right? That's it. The foundation. Right. And so what they found was it gets weird. Like, (laughs) there is no point at which it's just like, oh, we found the tiniest particle, and this is what it is, and these are its properties and all that. Things become fuzzy. And not in a way like, oh, like I'm not magnifying it enough. Like, no, literally, the, when you get down to a certain level, you can no longer know the particle's position and its velocity. They ex- It exists in like a range of positions and speeds. It doesn't make any sense to like to like your rational mind. Well, to humans, it doesn't make sense, right? Because right. we're the observers in all of this. So to mm-hmm. us, we cannot see it. We cannot perceive it. It does not make sense to us. That's not to say that it doesn't make sense in reality. Right. Anyway. Right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Since my listeners are all humans. I'm oh, sorry, friends. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's a one Klingon in the back. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, what about me? Yeah, what about me? That's what makes it interesting because we're one. We expected to have those building blocks, and now that we know that those don't exist, people, scientists have been trying to pinpoint what it means. Why is there is there reality? Is there physical reality? Is there do we are we ever going to be able to figure out what the world is made up of? What is everything? What is our reality? Right. And like, so like, like one of the weird examples is light, Exactly. right? So like light, sometimes it behaves like a particle and that's where you get photons. And sometimes it behaves like a wave and the weird, all right, here's where it gets really, really weird. When you don't look at it, it behaves like a wave. And when you look at it, it behaves like a particle. I'm going to put in the show notes, something called the double slit experiment. So you can see what I'm talking about. But if you just imagine like a wall, with two vertical holes in it and just imagine tennis balls being the photons. If you throw a bunch of tennis balls at that wall, you'll have the tennis balls that got through the wall and they'll be lined up in two nice little, you know, rows on the other side, because there's another wall behind that first wall. That's going to catch everything. Yeah. All right. (laughs) But like with light, what they found is when they're not looking at it, the pattern on the wall is the kind of pattern you would get if something like waves out of the two holes. So like you get like the two like really strong lines, but then you also get one in the middle where the lines are like where like the two waves like crash into each other and become like its own. I'm making physical yeah. movements, which you can't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like can see them. I vouch for them. They make sense. <laughs> No, but it's true. And that goes back to the thing I said about being the observer and the physical world, what we can interpret through our five senses, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why light is so fascinating. And that's why for uh, the past hundred years, people have used um, light as like the sort of, 
I mean, that was like the new fun, interesting thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Until recently. Right. But then when people look at it, it like, like all of a sudden, like the pattern changes and like, it's the two nice little like columns, like you would expect. (laughs) And it's like, what the heck? You know, (laughs) what is this? And so like, you know, this is something that bothered Einstein. Like Einstein could never get his head wrapped around it. Like he spent the rest of his life obsessed with this, like in depression, because he couldn't reconcile that everything's nice and neat. You know, all the stuff about relativity and everything, it all works in all our day-to-day life and looking at planets and how planets move and stars move and everything moves in the universe. That all works out based on these equations, nice and neat. And why doesn't it work that way when things get really small? And what is the crossover point? Yeah. And will we ever know? And what what does it mean? Um, where are we in in the, I guess, universe? I hate using that <laughs> phrase, that term, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, where do we stand? And why is it that we can only see so far and we can't we can't see these things? I, I'm going to say use the word behind, um, which will, I think makes sense later. But the, these things that, you know, like in this case, why why is it that way? Why is it when we look at it and then we don't and then it's that and it's like, what is going on? Because we think we are the most powerful species on the <laughs> <laughs> don't we? So yeah, so he actually, funny, I actually was reading about Einstein a few months ago. He was a very interesting man. And quick fun fact uh, aside, he put on his tax taxes every year that he was a student. Oh. Very interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, there's an argument that you never stop learning. You know, you're always a student. He totally was a student. He actually, like, the only way he made money was, like, tutoring kids in the neighborhood. Like, mm. he really dedicated his life to science and never did the traditional, like, capitalist thing so good for him (laughs) yeah there are there are some problematic things about his life too that we won't get into no there are and i actually will i know we're gonna have to talk but i will i will say this there are problematic things about everyone in history because remember when we thought we could own humans remember when we thought that we could take over lands by massacre of course everyone from every time before ours had issues period yeah, oh, I, I'm glad you said that because nowadays people say, oh, we shouldn't talk about this person or that person, like, because they did this bad thing or this bad thing. And, and you know, my, and again, I, I'm a white male, so take this with whatever grain of salt that you, you want when you're listening to this. But I mean, I feel like everyone should be judged by the standards of their time. And the reason for that is that if you grow up in a society where you're told that these things are perfectly normal and in fact are correct. Mm-hmm. then it's a lot harder and not to say that yes i know there have been people who have been anti-slavery all you know like going back hundreds of years totally. but those were exceptional people that yes. were living outside of the norms of their society and yes. it was a lot harder to you know like you know once once it becomes like a standard thought like you know we grow up we're educated we're taught and we and we don't see people that way but when you are taught that that is the natural order and that this is right, I'm sure there are lots of people who never questioned it, especially if they themselves never even met a slave or whatever. And these people like went their whole lives like going like, well, this is just a normal everyday thing that happens. And so like, and, and I, I hate to bring that one up, but that's it. Oh, <laughs> but, but, but it is true though. that and, and some of these people did other things though that were really good and beneficial to us nowadays. And so it's, it's, it's part of the nuance of history is the point I'm trying to make. Not that we should excuse anyone but like people's lives are a lot more complicated than bad and good absolutely and i will say actually to bring this full circle what you're talking about is the understanding of space time literally i told someone (laughs) earlier today i said somebody had to be the first person to say i don't want to do slavery i think it sucks 
someone had to be the first person to say, I don't like being a, a bigot. This sucks. Let's not do this anymore. Right. And so, yes, people are bad and horrible. And you know what? I just don't judge anyone from the past. I take the good parts and you know what? Screw the rest. We don't need to like, leave. <laughs> we can learn about it, of course, because we learn from our mistakes. I'm not saying that we're like, but I'm also not saying we're like champion, like, oh, yes, you were a wife beater. Good for you. Like, mm -hmm. no, we're not doing that. And no one's saying we are. I'm just saying that most people in history, in fact, all people in history, even ourselves, myself, the Emma that was in the space time of last week in whatever location at the grocery store, she was a worse person than the Emma that sits here in this space time currently mm -hmm. at my desk right now, even for ourselves. So we have to let not humanity as a species. I don't mean humanity, like what I was talking about earlier, like humans show up as who they are right now in this current space time. Yes. I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, one of the things that I talked about with Rachel when she, she was doing uh us history this year as one of her classes was like the founding fathers are a perfect example of people that did a lot of them did many good things. And some of those people who did really good things were also slaveholders. And like George Washington apparently got to a point where he released his slaves on his death. I mean, it is bad that it was like, oh, well, wait until I die. But at least he was like, he he matured as a person as he got further along in his life and realized that it was really questionable to advocate throwing off oppression and yep. then be oppressing other people. Yes. And, how, and, and you know what, really what it is, is evolution. This is all part of evolution of our species. People forget we are young, we are babies. People think because we have these big noggins on our heads that we know best all the time. It's not true. We can all admit that we were worse when we were a teenager and we stole our dad's minivan than we were when we were 80 and we like worked in nonprofits. You know, it's all of us. It, and it's not just all of us individually, it's us as a whole. So like, you know, we are moving forward no matter what. Again, bad people can be bad and good. No one is all one thing, period. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's perfectly right. And and yeah, I again we're not I mean no, it's science. Not, you're trying to link it to space time, but like right. talking about history now and about like, you know, yeah, viewing well, people through the lens of their time period and stuff. But it's exactly, like, exactly. and also Please. the progress of humanity and you know, all of that, you know, but it's, like, true. it's true, but it's all science anyway. So we're good. Right. Well, I mean, I I so so here's the thing though, and this does relate to science as well. I question the un um what's the word the um Edison terrible well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I question not even questioning removing things from study I can't think of the right word that I'm wanting to think about but this idea that like no this thing is problematic therefore we need to remove it okay we need to talk about let's talk about the big one let's talk about Nazi Germany let's go ready oh oh do you want to know what I just saw yesterday tell me. So there is a school that has removed all Nazi elements from the Sound of Music production that they're doing. And I'm like, what are they even running from anymore? Like, that's the whole point of the play, is they're trying to escape from Nazi-occupied Austria. Wait, that's the whole point of the story. Right. Oh, no, Nathan. No, because no, no. somebody was like, oh, well, that's offensive that you have Nazis in this. And it's like, yeah, but that's the point. Like, the story is about that. It's about that they are horrible and they're trying to get away from them. We're not pro-Nazi. Liesl leaves that boy in the garden. She's like, screw you, Nazi boy. Like, right. run up, up the hill. Oh, no, Nathan. So this is the issue. And this is what I often say to people. I say, if the world is cru too cruel for your children to learn about why did you have children and bring them into a cruel mm. world that is horrific to me we should we should take note of what germany does and never ever 
never erase bad history. Right. My joke that I replied to this with was those who do not learn from history are doomed to something, something. What was I saying? You know, like, <laughs> you forget, you know, like, you're going to do it over again. That's the whole point. Like, is Wait, you need so to good. learn about the awful things in history. That's so clever and also so true. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's the, like, To Kill a Mockingbird is a thing that's been banned in some place. I don't know if you've read what? it. Yeah, like, but, but, like, in some places they've banned to kill because, because it mentions, like, you know, like, there's, there's racist sort of, of because it's about the South in the early 1900s. Oh, no, no, it was no, a racist no, no, no. place. Wait, but Nathan, the killer of Emmett Till just died. Yeah. She just died recently. Why would we be banning that story? It, she just left the earth just recently, two weeks ago. Okay, now I'm upset. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, no, it was, I, I like, I can't believe, like, it's like, yes, I understand there are words and things in these stories that, like, sure. should justifiably make you uncomfortable, but that's the point, yes. is it should make you uncomfortable to see how reprehensible yes. things are. Look, and, and God, God, I hope this doesn't get taken out of context. I don't believe that anything should be removed from existence. Like, I don't even believe that Mein Kampf should be, like, destroyed and all copies removed. Because people need to understand the mindset of what creates a person like Adolf Hitler. I'm not saying that, like, everybody should go read it. But I'm saying, like, it should exist out there. It should be labeled. It should be, you know, like, people should know what they're, you know, like, what it is. Whatever you need to Right, <laughs> exactly. But, like, I feel like it is valid for us to study it. For people to study it. I've never read it. But, I mean, like, it is valid for, for, for people to study it to understand the psychology of, 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 of someone like Hitler. I absolutely agree. There is a famous, I guess they used to call him psychoanalyst named Alice Miller. And she wrote a book about child. She wrote several books and did a lot of research about childhood development and specifically about childhood abuse and how it leads to not only a Hitler, but also all of the many men and women that went along with it. Mm. There is nothing wrong with studying that. There is absolutely, if anything, it could do us a lot of good. I actually think it's very brave for professionals, for scientists, for doctors to put their name on something that takes a deep dive into these very dark, sinister, and embarrassing parts of our history. Mm -hmm. I'm ashamed only at people who want to avert their eyes to it. How dare you? How dare you? Because even, especially for these, no offense, Nathan, I love you, but these white guys who weren't affected by any of these, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how I am the whitest guy, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm the whitest girl, too, so it's okay. It's all good. I blend into my wall behind me. But the truth <laughs> is, how, how dare an older white gentleman in, say, Tennessee tell me that my children aren't allowed to learn about slavery in this American South? How dare you? You have no right to um, oppress those stories and not stories it's the written it's um you know how we used to have oral history right we would just tell each other the folklore well now we have means to make it permanent forever to make sure we get it right to fact check it so how dare anyone try to erase history like that it's really disturbing and in fact it's making me feel sick forget all those people boo <laughs> sorry please don't get actually you can cancel me because i believe what i say is true i think i believe in what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. Again, we're we're growing way off the books here, yeah, but sorry, I mean, but it's about knowledge, and it's about knowledge, it's about acquiring knowledge, and I think that that is applicable to to like what we're talking about, you know, as far as we shouldn't remove branches of study and remove understanding. And yeah, are there discussions to be had over what age might be appropriate to learn about certain things? I mean, sure. But like when they're talking about this school that was removing Nazi iconography from the sound of music, they're talking like between fourth and sixth grade. 
And I'm like, by that point, kids should at least understand what Nazis were on a very high level. Like, you don't have to get into, like, let's show you pictures from the concentration camps to, like, understand, like, the evil of Nazism. I mean, history is a is a section of curriculum that we learn starting very young. So I don't know why it would would be they would try to erase it. And yes, age appropriateness is, of course, important. But again, this is already in the curriculum. So why wouldn't it be in the play? I don't understand. Anyway. Right. Well, and maybe I grew up like watching movies where Nazis were the bad, like Indiana Jones, like Nazis are the bad guys. And like Magneto, for example. Yeah. Real. This is like part of pop media, pop culture. Then why is it so shameful when it's in a school? Why are people still feeling so ashamed or embarrassed? I mean, I understand, but nobody is saying you are a Nazi. You, sir, over there, you're a Nazi or your child is a Nazi. No one is saying that. Mm-hmm. And if the issue is they didn't want children representing Nazis, they could have made that, which obviously none of us want, they could have made them an unseen figure, have the kids run across the stage with the sirens going and whatever else. But that is, or don't do sound of music. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, that's another choice also. But yeah, I mean, that's just deferring the issue. But like, yeah, but you're not... <laughs> yeah oh god yeah anyway anyway i'm sorry i just have one more thing to ask you and then we'll move on i promise okay i'm such a rambler i'm sorry do you know when this started this sort of censorship of education because that's what it is you're it's stealing education from young people it's taking away informed consent about the world that they are going into right i i'm not sure exactly when it seems like it's a fairly recent thing but covid has made like all of time into like a fuzzy like flat circle so like i'm not sure like exactly when this started but i mean like i'd say like 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 maybe four or five years ago is when i started hearing a lot it was before covid i think this sort of thing started but it wasn't like long before covid i don't think yeah okay good to know weird yeah but yeah this whole idea of like canceling history of like oh we can't talk about these people that ended up like joining the confederacy or we can't talk about certain founding fathers or we can't talk about Christopher Columbus anymore. And it's like, look, look, Christopher Columbus was a horrible person. And I am not going to change. Like, and, yeah, I'm not going to defend him. But should yeah, you know who he was because his impact on the world was important? Yes. We had like songs about him, like the Nina, the Santa Maria, whatever. Like, I don't understand. Like, we're not trying to, and now we know enough to not glorify him. So, in fact, not taking it away, but in fact, altering the curriculum to be more truthful and honest with children, I think would actually be better. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like, and, and, and talk about judging somebody by the standards of his time. Like, the Spanish Inquisition thought that he went too far. Yeah, like yeah, he has... like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so I'm like even it's by true. the standards of his own time he was a horrible person but people should know that but like yeah. he worked the native americans that he found to death absolutely like, again europeans didn't think it was a problem to enslave them but they were like why are you killing them all why like this is stupid that? right like the, we could use them as labor you know like and so like even by their standards he was a horrible person and this is where I think that the idea of like doing a meta-analysis of every subject, like we talked about all the different sciences and pseudosciences, having all of those be part of knowledge and whatever mm-hmm. is very important because it can lead to very important discoveries for the human species. Right. I actually read a short story and I, I need to look it up to, to figure out what the title of it was, but I read a short story by Isaac Asimov where he wrote about this idea of a society where they keep people from 
interdisciplinary like kind of learning because of the fact that they realize that once people start working together on things that like they can create like they're basically hoarding this technology that basically was discovered but then they never wanted anyone else to like sort of figure it out and so they've like broken up like all the fields of research so that nobody like basically interacts anymore and that was one of those things that like sort of like caused like this light bulb to go off in my head about how important it is that you know different disciplines not only within science but also like a historian is one of the characters in this and you find out that one of the technologies that the government is trying to keep people from redeveloping is like a time viewer thing that allows you to like peer into the past because they don't want people to expose things that happened and so like yeah sorry i'm gonna break some hard news to you that is nonfiction, and it's happening now Oh, yeah, you were telling me you're not allowed to double major anymore? Like, yeah, wasn't that what you told me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me that in a conversation before, yeah. You're not allowed to get, like, more than one bachelor's now. It's this big to-do. But I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I just have a really, again, hippy-dippy point to make. But the, the fact that we make young people at 18, before, way before their brains are fully developed, take out literally, like, 50000 to $400,000 worth of loans to study only one thing, only one thing forever. And then you must do this one thing because guess what? You have to pay off those loans after. That is absolutely what you just described. Keep them all separate. And that technology, that like t- time viewer, that's AI. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. Oh boy. Oof. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a problem. Cause I mean, that's one of the things that like Rachel is like worried about. She's 16. Well, what do I choose as my major? Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's a baby. Like when right. you think about 16, I'm like, that person was a child. What? Can you imagine? But I do have to say one thing. Recent my recent um I recently and this is this is still science because it's about medical science. So I recently had a trip to the hospital. And what I discovered is that medical professionals, physical I'll say this, physical medical professionals know absolutely nothing about mental health. Mm. About medical, mental, mental medical care at all it is very much that they are kept separate and my psychiatrist says that there is a limitation to what the human brain can accept it's the duality that we can't see we think it's white and black we think it's this or that we can't understand that it could be both things at both times like we said a bad person can also be a good person right and there would be so much more good in the world if we let these things have crossover it's actually shocking have you read the book sapiens i have not Okay. It's just basically like, I don't know. It's controversial to some people, but either way, but yeah, so we just don't, it's like, we don't have the ability to really comprehend more than one thing. And I don't know if that's true. I think we're kind of being forced to only do the one thing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's especially concerning because of the fact that the mind has such an impact on the body. And that's been proven like in multiple ways, people who have health problems only because they're like, like in some societies where people aren't allowed to say like, I feel depressed or whatever. They repress it to the point where they actually have physical manifestations of problems in their body because their brain can't unburden itself. So it's hurting them physically. Yeah, you definitely should have your medical doctors understanding like the effect of the mind on the body. Absolutely. The research supports it. I mean, even if you just talk about underserved communities, right? Let's talk, take the black community, for example. We know that there are certain ailments, medical, um, you know, serious medical issues that are more prevalent in the black community. 
absolutely not because of some creepy eugenics thing where they're more susceptible. No, because in this country, they are put on, they are, you know, with redlining, they're put in um, underserved communities. They are, they struggle. There's problems with um, trust in the medical field with doctors and professionals. I mean, there, we have a history of, of um, biomarkers of trauma and all these things that add up to physical ailments. We have the research to prove this. So why are people still denying that they are the same thing, the body and the mind, the brain is literally in the body. How could it not be connected? Yeah, no. And that's the, and that's the thing. I mean, like, again, like I, I find all this fascinating and this is, this is the thing, like, like I even talked to like a friend of mine at work, one of my colleagues. And I talked about the fact that when he was in school, all his friends were engineers. And it's like, I was never like, I think I'm the weirdo. I think I'm the weirdo. Like all my friends were like in either the arts of some kind, or they were in history or what I, you know, like I had some friends in engineering, but they weren't like my closest, like, like, my closest friends were more in the arts. And so like, to me, it's like surrounding yourself with a diversity of people also how like i'm not necessarily studying the same field like all these different fields but like even like surrounding yourself with people so that you can have discussions that allow you to like sort of think about different things that you wouldn't be exposed to normally like that's that's all important too i feel like oh it's absolutely important and not only is it important i personally believe it's the way the government should be run so you know how we have these big groups we have like the upper cabinet and the lower cabinet i believe that one of the cabinets should be a group of experts in every field i believe that they should come in pairs of two or more or whatever because why is a politician, someone who's dedicated their life to studying quote unquote politics, telling me what I should do with my body in terms of medical care? That doesn't make any sense. We need to look to the experts and they should all be friends and hang out and discuss and, and brainstorm and all the stuff that you were doing with your friends of different backgrounds. And that would be a better way to run the world. But I digress. Although I, all right, all right, don't, don't, don't you, you, you've opened the can on this one. I do want to oh, no. say one more thing on top yes. of that though. Cause I think this is what, cause like a lot of us listen to that and we think like, oh yeah, like, you know, people with the, with the knowledge should be running things. But at the same time, here's the issue. Sometimes people with the knowledge don't have the, humanity and so i do want to make sure that like you know it's more complicated i think than just having like well if you're like the ex you know you're the most knowledgeable doctor in the world so you should tell us all what we should be doing it's like but sometimes there have been scientists that have done horrible horrible things in the name of science because they did they lack humanity so there is it's a more complicated issue than that no you're right and that's why i believe that these experts should actually be like groups pairs if not more Mm. so i believe that there is a okay and i know this is in such simple terms but back i love i have like this critical pairs thing that i'm obsessed with and i really do believe that there is a everything the human brain thinks of things in twos it's true it's the thing that we can't accept duality right so there's a hard scale and a soft scale there's a right there's a left there's a Mm -hmm. good there's a bad blah 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 that's not really how things work however we can put someone who is, I'm not going to say bad, or someone who lacks humanity and all, and is really strong technically with someone who is really strong in the, you know, has the humanity, the softer skills of the same field. Mm. Like, say, like a psychologist with a medical, with a surgeon, right? With a medical doctor. And the, both of them would be the team that does the body, the, the hum, human body, the medical care for the body, right? I know that's like a really random example that's not quite, you know, specific enough, but... 
yeah, you're right. We can't trust everyone. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing is it's like knowledge doesn't equal good decision making. Like is like, I guess the thing that I, that I want to say. Like, yeah, no, it's true. And many times in history, like again, back to the thing where we judge people by the standards of their time or not even that, we just understand that evolution moves forward in space time. Why are we, why do people not do unethical experiments? Like let's say medical in any capacity, like um, mental, mentally or physically. Why do we not do that anymore? Because we know what's wrong but why did people do it before i'm wondering well yeah i think that people regarded certain kinds of people as not people and so they thought it was fair to do because when you look at a lot of those unethical experiments they were done on people that were not of the whether it was people of african descent or it was people yeah. jewish or you know things of that nature it was the undesirables that they would do that to they wouldn't do it on their own you know group they would do it on other groups and so for, for them that equaled something that was okay because i mean here's the thing i mean again the nazis were evil people but we got a lot of medical science from them because of the horrible things that they did i'm not saying that that was right of course not it wasn't a choice that should have been made to like further medical knowledge, Absolutely not. but we did learn a lot about the human body because of the research that they did. And so it's like, again, the evil that they did, but then there is something that we can use out of that. So, you know, it becomes an ethical. Okay. Well, let me, let me ask you this. If we know, if we have it, we have the evidence to suggest that humans naturally, we are born with the ability to be cooperative, to be kind, compassionate, mm -hmm. caring have empathy to be good quote unquote good i can't stand when people are like what's good and what's bad i'm like you know if it hurts someone it's bad Stop right pretending. if we know that then what would we call someone like say if we have this board of of experts if we had one of these people that didn't have the quote unquote humanity that hurt people what would we call that i would call it someone who is acting inhuman someone who is acting outside of the norm of what a human would and should do, which means that they are suffering some sort of illness. They are sick. They are non acting in a non-human way. It's the same way that if I have a stomach flu and I'm throwing up every five seconds, well, is that natural and normal for a human to throw up every five seconds? Absolutely not. I should go to a doctor. And that is why I believe that people in positions of authority, the second they start showing behavior that is inhuman, they need to be assessed medically. And that's none of my business. I don't want to know about it. That's HIPAA. But like, please take them away and get them help because that is disturbing. Well, I agree with you. But I and I also like I think that this sort of creates the larger issue of we're so big on canceling people right now when oh, all these people we want to cancel are people that really need to be helped. Yes. You know, like, that's the thing is it's like, and is really trying to cut off them from it. Like, the, uh, so yeah, I mean, there is sort of an idea that like, if somebody is sort of acting out, knowing they're acting out because they're doing it for like publicity or whatever, like maybe just cutting them off is enough to like make them like reevaluate themselves and be like, oh, well, this had an undesirable effect on my career or whatever. But like, if somebody really is mentally ill... And is acting out and, and behaving in a horrible way because they don't understand that their actions are inappropriate or, or, or awful or, you know, whatever. Cutting them off is the worst thing that you it's can do worst. because then that's just going to create, that's going to exact, you know, exaggerate and make yes. it worse. Yes. It makes, it literally makes, if someone is unwell and they believe that people are against them or they are against people, cutting them off, canceling them. And I will say, I will never allow anyone ever again to, in front of me to say that they're canceling quote unquote a human because literally according to our linguistics and the way we use language in modern day United States, that literally is a death threat. I do not like it. You mm. cannot cancel a human, knock it off with that. I don't like that. Sorry. That freaks me out so much. Like a great example is Kanye West. 
mentally ill saying that sure he can sue me for defamation but the fact of the matter is he's doing inhuman things so all i can think is that he needs medical assistance but no one will do it and now he's making claims that sound very similar to other times in our history that have been very scary so please someone get this man help and stop calling him names get him in to see a doctor now yeah i feel like and, and again this might be just because i'm naive or whatever i feel like nobody is beyond the ability to rehabilitate and that's the thing. It's like, but that, that requires conversation. That requires interaction. That requires, yes, I understand the person has to want it also. Like there are some people you just can't help because they don't want to be helped. They'll resist the help. But you don't know that. You, you never know that. Like you can't like just look at somebody and be like this person. And there are so many people that will write somebody off like almost instantly. No, like you are, you, you've said this, therefore you are irredeemable. And I don't, I don't believe that. I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. You know why we don't buy it? Because the research and evidence does not suggest that to be true. It does not support that. The fact of the matter is, there was a black man who rehabilitated many, many KKK members by befriending them and explaining to them what bigotry really is. Do like just sitting with them and saying, tell me, why do you think your life has more value than my life as a black man? And he was able to do this through community, not through ostracizing them because we know that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's like weird, weird stuff from the past. That's not good. And so I, I agree with you. Like until you try, you can't say, Oh, cancel done. Bye-bye. No. Yeah. I mean, growing up in the deep South, that one kind of speaks to me because of the fact that I observed that same kind of thing. A lot of these kids were raised by racist parents and stuff, but it's like, oh, but I, like, it's like, it's so weird. Cause you would hear them like defend the Confederacy and stuff, but then it's like, but you're hanging out with this, yeah. with this person who's black. No, and it's like, what are you, exactly. And it's like, oh, well, you know. And, you know, a lot of the black people, I think, were uncomfortable with it, but, like, it wasn't enough, like, they didn't want to rock the boat, you know, to, like, say, like, hey, why are you guys defending the Confederacy? We're well, friends. they're and, scared. You know, of course they're right. scared because you're defending the Confederacy. <laughs> and I think that's the whole point. I think that's why people talk about, like, white privilege and using your white privilege voice. I agree. If I was, like, James's friend and his, he was defending the Confederacy, but his best friend was Ricky and he was a black kid, I'd be like, what's up, James? Your best friend Ricky would be ashamed <laughs> and disappointed in you that you are, like, stand, that you have a Confederate flag in your front yard. Maybe don't do that, brother. Oh, well, this is, this is the insidious part about it. Their parents have taught them that yep. it's not about slavery. It's about states' rights. But oh, dude, we need to drill deeper here. The state's right to do what? Thank you. Thank it you. It was so the much. state's rights to own slaves. To own other humans, which you cannot right. do technically. It's ridiculous. I think so. And this is the thing. But, but, but the thing is, people don't go beyond that. So that's what they're taught. Oh, mom and dad says it's okay because it was it's a legitimate political issue. Like, can the states do something that the federal government doesn't want them to do? Like, should you know, should they be allowed to do that? But I'm like, okay, that's a political issue. But what were the states advocating that joined yes, the Confederacy? Yes. Take it one step forward, one step back, right? Tell us what that is. And I know I'm getting way off topic, but I do have to bring this up because it is uh, pertinent. So today I was having the conversation with someone where I was discussing the difference between a family and a cult. And mm. why do we assume that the second someone holds a baby in their arms, that they are the perfect parent, that they know what's best. There are no laws protecting children in cult-like or dangerous or bigoted or evil or whatever you want to call it, misinformed, whatever you want to say. Families where they, pep where they perpetuate basically hatred 
why? Because nobody wants to step on anyone's toes, right? Everyone's like, parents know best, mom and dad know best. And for a long time after the 70s, it was actually mom knows best for a very long right. time in the period of history. And in California State, I know for sure the kids always go with the moms. Well, now there's been a, a new law that came out called Cadence Law because a kid got accidentally placed with the abusive parent and ended up murdered. So it's just unfortunate. Like, why didn't, why couldn't I tell James, why couldn't a social worker go to James in my, in my theory, in my face, right, right, right. go to my friend's James's house and say, Hey, we noticed that your kid has been saying, you know, some racial slurs at school. And we're wondering where he learned that from. I, I need to do an at home, you know, evaluation or whatever. Mm. I think it's weird that we assume that everyone's the perfect parent, just if they hold the baby in their arms. Like, right. What? No, and that is one of the things, like, you know, I've heard about enough cases where it's like, and, you know, it makes me feel bad, like, not that Beth and I are, you know, in a bad place or whatever, but it made me feel bad, like, the thought that, like, instantly I am thought of as, like, an inferior parent because I am male versus Beth, you know, like, oh, you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. I feel like I'm a pretty good dad. I feel like the kids would be fine with me, you know, kind of are thing. Like, okay, for those of you out there listening, hey, friends, Nathan is an amazing father. I know he's being <laughs> humble right now, but it is the truth. So that's some some outside knowledge for you or inside knowledge. But you're right. What? How dare we? T how dare we ever tell tell not only a a parent but tell the child one parent is better than the other. One parent has more value to you than the other. How disturbing and disgusting are we? It's 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 literally bigotry. What's wrong with us? And we put it into the legal system. That cadence law. It actually has gender language in it. It says mothers, women, men, and it is under the violence against uh, the like protection of violence against women's act. Why? Why? They're leaving space open for bad people. Cause again, bad people can be any sex. They can be any gender. They can be in, from any group, any demographic, anything at all. Why? How dare we tell men, oh, oh, Nathan, it's so heartbreaking because we, we teach men that their their only value is physical work and money-making. And then we wonder, why don't you play with the kids more? Why don't you do more housework? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why don't you do the dishes? Well, no one ever said I could, period. You're preaching to the choir here. I mean, like, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, like, and the thing is, like, and, and again, like, maybe I'm saying too much here, like, on the podcast, but it's like, I right. don't fit into the typical male mold anyway which is something that's been a source of embarrassment for me because you know i was never like somebody who was like into sports or anything like that so i always feel kind of like, inferior in that way but do i take care of the kids do i play with them do i do those things that are typically you know historically regarded as well that's the mom's job you know like to do like more of that with girls especially you know like yep, you know because exactly. i only have girls yeah yep. like the mom teaches the kids their stuff and whatever and it's like no, that's not me. And so you like, you know, I do a lot of the caregiving and I do a lot of that kind of stuff. I cook more often than my wife that, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like I love it. that's great. And that's the thing. We've been conditioned to believe that these make believe rules exist and they really do not exist. Also, Nathan, I do have to say, unfortunately, you are a typical male because you are in um, the, an engineering field. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that historically has been mostly for men. Do you know that like, this is the crazy thing. That was almost picked at random <gasps> because like, well, not, not entirely, but it was more of like the kind of thing where it was just like, unlike other people who like really take a long time to worry about what they're going to be. I, in my conceit was like, I can do anything. So therefore <laughs> I will do something that will get me a good paying job. And it was like electrical engineering was just kind of like, yep, that sounds good. 
Well, Nathan, I wish more people thought like you. And I'm so grateful you have uh, daughters, especially um, because guess what? The truth is anyone can do anything they want. We've all read Outliers. It's 10,000 hours, baby. Go ahead. But no one tells young people that they can do everything. Right. No. And I mean, like, I feel like a lot of people, it's it's right to like, you know, figure out a job that you're going to enjoy because like, this is a th career that you're going to do, you know, like theoretically you're going to do for the rest of your life obviously some people do switch careers but it's a lot harder once you've already got a degree in a certain thing to switch careers but you can do it do you not enjoy engineering no 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 well, no no the point i'm trying to make is like okay. <laughs> i was kind of blase you know like i was just kind of like a oh, flippant like I, i'll do anything and i'm just saying like not to undermine the fact that this is a big decision for other people you know like that that they you know should make but but um god what was my point <laughs> I don't I know, I've taken you around the world. I'm so sorry. For those listening, you know I'm a rambler. I, we, we get off track, and I'm so sorry for doing that. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I mean, not to undermine, but I, I definitely don't want to undermine, like, the fact that this is a critical decision for, you know, a lot of people, like, what they're going to do with their lives. But just realize that you can change course yeah. also if you find that, like, you can't do anything. Because I also feel like I'm somebody that would be kind of cool with a lot of different things also. So for me, it was never, this is just the one thing. It's the only thing that will ever satisfy me is to do this. And some people are like that. The, your decision is a lot easier than other people's. But I'm just saying, like, maybe you don't know yet what that thing is. And so if you do, you know, some people aren't satisfied with the career they start out with. No, absolutely. And I think that goes sort of back to what we were talking about in the beginning, where we were saying, stop trying to make children choose math and science or the humanities stop trying to say it's either arts or sciences that's so ridiculous and it's such a disservice to them so i do agree like i think that's great that you had that where you're like i would be happy doing a plethora of things because i have many different interests and i'd be happy learning about whatever i like to seek knowledge and i actually think most humans are like that but i think we have a system that pressures us to not be like that right. what do i know i don't no, know no no no. i definitely agree and we also have a system and, and, and here because now <laughs> And again, it's off from what I originally wanted to talk about, but since we're talking a lot about these sort of things, the sort of the underpinnings of science instead of like science itself. So let's talk about education, because you mentioned earlier that our education system is really messed up. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Do you have something where you're like, we should do X or Y instead of what we're currently doing? Because like, I, I have some thoughts and I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. Okay. Do you want to share first or should I share first? I can share first if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Please do. Okay. So my mind was open when I took German because I don't know how familiar you are with the German school system. Yes. Okay. So one of the things you do is learning the language is learn about like what like a typical student's life is and everything. So in Germany... There are basically, once you get into middle school, you have a choice of three routes that you can take. Is it three? Oh, I didn't realize it was three. I thought it was like you could choose either or, but okay, cool, cool, cool. No, Sorry. no, no. There are, there are three different possible high schools, quote unquote, that you can go to. And one is like, here's your university prep route. You know that you're going to get a four-year or more degree. This is like the typical American high school because this is the only route we believe is legitimate in our country. Yep. <laughs> And then on the other end, you have more of like, a, like, this is like, oh, well, we're preparing you for a career. So you're going to be a mechanic or you're going to be into uh, cosmetology or, you know, like you're going to be into something like specific like that. So this is your route. You don't need as much schooling, but you will give you like the basics you need. And then we will apprentice you. We will yes, get you, yes, you that thing where you can learn from somebody who does this kind of job and you go that route. 
the way things used to be, right? <laughs> right. And yeah. so like, and, and then they have like a sort of in-between one for people who are in uncertain. And I forget the names for the three. I know gymnasium is the one that prepares you for university, but I forget what the other two are. I know it's weird because people look at it and it's gymnasium in English, but that's not what it means. <laughs> it's like the that. school that prepares them for, uh, for university. I think Hauptschule is one of them. But anyway. So to me, this is the thing that our society doesn't get and doesn't capture. Because I know at least when I went into school, like the only legitimate choice was to go to a four-year school. We did not capture any of these, you know, any of the people who we know are either, if you put them in a, in a university or college, that they're going to drop out or don't even bother trying. Like, even though we know, we're usually pretty sure in high school who those people are. Like, we know who those people are going to be. And it's like, and you basically tell them you're worthless. Because yes. the because your only choice is to flip hamburgers or to go to a four year college. This is it. These are your two choices in life, and we break a lot of people doing that. And we and we and I think I, I think we harm because I also know a bunch of people who started going to college because they felt it was their only legitimate choice and then dropped out. And what do they have to show for it? They have like a year or two of their life that they've completely wasted. They've got debt from the classes they did pay for and. It's like, okay, and can they do any job? Have they been prepared for any kind of job? Nope, not at all. Nope, not at all. So my thing is we need to go back to looking at apprenticeships because there are people, it's like, they. it's not that they can't do skilled work, but they need a shorter time frame. They don't want to learn all these other things that aren't going to give them a job. So maybe somebody, you know, like, oh, I really love cars. Well, maybe you're a good mechanic, you know, like you'll make a great mechanic. Like that's what you should have. And then you can at 18 have a job where you're being a productive member of society. You enjoy what you're doing. It's way better than flipping burgers, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you get paid better. It's skilled work we need. And that's the thing that I hear so often too, when being on the other side now, being in like a, like a corporation is like, we get all these people who don't know anything. They come out of college and the colleges don't prepare them even for the job. Like, you know, the university education is supposed to prepare you for your work, but because the universities <laughs> have become so distant from the jobs, like even that isn't preparing you for like an engineering job really or whatever. And we have to spend a lot of time training people for that. So I am a huge proponent of community colleges. Um, actually, I got my associate's degree before I got my four-year degree. That has to do with the fact that my parents were going through a messy divorce as I was getting out of high school. And so I had to get a job fairly quickly and so couldn't afford to go to a, a four-year school. But that associate's degree helped me so much even after I got the four-year degree because I learned way more practical stuff about electronics from getting my associates in, a, in, in electronic engineering technology than I did from being an electrical engineer, which, yeah, I know all the math now that like underpins how all this functions, but you don't need that to do the actual job. That's just like a nice to know, you know, like, <laughs> <A little background. laughs> right. Like a little background or whatever. And so, yeah, if I was going to go and pursue that and get like a master's or a doctorate in electricity, that stuff was definitely absolutely essential. Like if I was going to be a researcher that worked with that, I was trying to invent new things. That's absolutely essential. But to do a job, to do an engineering job, there are lots of people who get associate's degrees who could do the same job that a four-year. And it's just a stigma that we put in society. 
I'm going beyond a little bit beyond education, but I hate the stigma we put into in society. That's great. It's all connected. Yes, yes, it's true. I'm sorry. I've been dithering on here, Emma. Like, yes, why don't you No, say no, something? please. No, I love this. What you're saying is so important. The please, please continue. If there's more, please. Oh, well, yeah, no, I mean, I just wanted to say that's the closest we have now to that sort of apprentice thing is like community colleges that actually do associates degrees that are like actually like my mom. So my mom had been a nurse before she got married, but then she quit her job to like raise a family and whatever. And so like when my dad left, her nursing experience was so old that she couldn't like go back to nursing. So she got her associate's degree in nursing from the community college that I went to where I got my electronics engineering technology degree. And she said the same thing at the hospitals, that the hospitals said that they preferred the nurses who went to the community college over the ones that came, because we also had a university in our city. Oh, and then, then the ones who came from the university, because they said like they knew more of the practical things yes. that a nurse needs to know. Yes. Whereas, you know, the people go to four year school there. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to undervalue, you know, if you have a bachelor's degree or whatever, I'm not saying that you can't do your job and definitely programs are different from school to school. So again, I don't want to insult anyone about this, but I feel like, We're losing people who don't have the opportunity to go to a program that is linked to a career, like a thing that it's like, you do this program, you get this job, and there is the dedicated knowledge. And there are so many people, I think, that could do better than the lives they have now if that was presented to them as a valid option. And if there was something like that, either in a high school or like a community college in their local area. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Everything you just said, yes, yes, and yes, and I'm riled up now. And I love how we're like doing the reverse stigma. We're, we're like, if you have a four-year degree, I mean, no offense if you have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> if you have a doctor, no offense to you. <laughs> but it's true. And I, I, I want to like piggyback off of what you said. So I've actually thought a lot about this. And I love that you um, brought up the uh, German school system. And I, I actually thought it was only one or the other. I didn't realize there was like the middle pe- round f- wrote for the people who didn't really know what they wanted to do yet. And I actually have thought about this similarly and almost the exact same, but my theory starts in elementary school or what we call elementary school. And I believe that we should, you know how every grade has like four different teachers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you'll get Miss Zug or Miss Croach or Miss Rosenick or whatever their names are, right? Or I'm sorry, I made those all women. That's probably some of my sex. <laughs> well, but sex. you're probably right for elementary school in this country that it is far more yeah. female than, yeah, than male. But yeah, oh, excuse me. But yeah, but I always I know for a fact that there are like at least four different type of types of learners. There's like kinesthetic, there's like oral, there's ones who like to read it, there's ones that like whatever. And I think that instead of having just random teachers that you get assigned to, you should be assigned to the teacher that best fits your learning style and I think in like kinder preschool kindergarten first grade second grade third grade that's when you sort of find out what best best works for you but I remember like if you wanted to switch classes if you wanted to switch teachers it was a big to do it was a big thing and I think that should be more normalized and natural if one teacher isn't the right teaching style for you you should do the other one and I actually think they should be specific like kids who learn this way kids who learn this way kids who learn this way and then I think once we do that we are giving more opportunity we're like we're allowing students to learn how they learn best so that they don't have to jam themselves into this mold. Because like you said, we lose so many students. They go by the wayside when we're only doing this one cookie cutter thing. And then I agree. I actually think that like, quote unquote, your educational year should go all the way up to 25, 26 when your brain is fully developed. 
However, I believe I agree with your model where you get to choose. You either choose to be like an apprentice, which worked for centuries, or you get to choose to like do whatever you go. You go and sit in a lecture hall, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe either way that there's no reason for us to be paying. And in fact, since we make the legal the legal age as an adult, 18, 18 is when we should start paying students for getting their education. We need to pay them. How do we expect children to pay for their books, their housing, their food, whatever it is? How dare we send children out into the world and say, you know what, borrow money, not even from the banks, you borrow money from the government. Excuse me, I pay taxes, that's our money. That money belongs to their parents. How dare the government say that? And actually, it's funny, you brought up a great point about the hands-on learning thing about even like, you know, more technical fields. The college I was going to go to when I was 18, 19 is called Olin College, and it is in Massachusetts, and it is entirely hands-on. There's Mm. like 150 students. It is project-based. There are no lecture halls. You go in, you learn engineering, and you get out, and that's it. And it prepares you to work in the real world. And I think there are certain fields that that would that is preferred. And again, if you learn best in a lecture hall, great, go to MIT. But there are so many people for so many fields that don't. And like you said, your mother's experience, they want the students who have the hands-on experience. They want mm-hmm. the kids who have done the apprenticeships, quote unquote. They've done the work. They've physically built the things. They're not just sitting catting at their desks until the middle of the night. They've actually gone into the machine shop. They've worked with these you know, work these parts out, they've tested, they prototype, they know how to design, they know how to critical think. It's so much more than just getting a 4.0 or whatever. That doesn't even matter in the real world. Well, yeah. And you know, so many people have been indoctrinated to say the four-year program creates more well-rounded people. I'm like, first of all, how conceited are you to think that you are somehow (laughs) making someone more well-rounded? What? (laughs) By forcing them to take like all these classes that they don't actually need to do the thing that they want to do. But second of all, we don't believe that people can like do things on their own and choose the choices that will best suit them. And it's like, I I don't know. I I just, I just really hate this sort of idea. Like the other one that I really hate is, oh, well, you need to be in college until you find yourself. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, like. I know eight year olds who know themselves better than I know myself. It's ridiculous. Also, it's funny. And going back to the thing about what I said really quick about parents knowing what's best for a child just because they have hold the baby in their arms. Absolutely not. The only way to parent, and I mean early, early, I just took early childhood development for my psychology degree. You need to have, you need to learn the child. If the child is upset, it means that the child is, has needs that are not being met, but you cannot meet the child's needs if you are forcing the child to do something. There was an experience my friend had where she was on a plane and a baby was screaming behind her and they kept shoving food into her mouth, shoving, shoving, like trying like to calm the baby, like getting aggravated. The baby was screaming. And my friend turned around, not, not, of course, not to complain, because it is not the baby's fault for being a baby, but turned around and just said, maybe she doesn't want food. Maybe try something else. <laughs> like these people. Anyway, so I think that goes also for education. Maybe we listen to the human and you made a fun, you not a funny, you made it, you made an interesting comment. You said we've broken a lot of people in the education system. And I want to rephrase it. I want to double down and say, we have broken a lot of children in the yeah. education system. And it's so tragic. It's terrible. Yeah. There's just this one time that I remember I was visiting a friend and was sitting down with her and her husband. And he was talking about his sister and his sister was in college. And he didn't like the fact that she had chosen a major because he said she needs to find herself first. And I am like, (laughs) I didn't say anything because obviously it's like, you know, like I'm I'm just visiting or whatever. But I'm just like thinking in the back of my head, like, 
what in the world like what is the matter with you that you would try to like tell your sister first of all that she should just take random classes when she has an idea of something to do and that's the thing that's the crazy part the reason people say you haven't found yourself yet is because you want to do something non-traditional most of the time it's someone who wants to do something either very hard like if i tell like i used to say i wanted to be an architect i want to be an architect i want to be an architect and do you know how many people told me Oh, Emma, it's all done on CAD nowadays because I wanted to be like a physical drafter because it's what my grandfather did. I wanted to do it old school on a big table. Like, oh, it like it satisfied the left and right part of me, right? right. Both parts. And people were like, oh, no, you don't want to do that. It's not even a job anymore. It's all on the computer. And I was like, okay, rude. Like, let's (laughs) stop doing that. Like, let's just let people do what they want. It's so crazy. Oh, also one more thing about your mother going back to nursing. They actually have programs now. It's unfortunate because they're run by these big corporations. They're run by like Bezos or whoever. Mm. And they have like, they are targeted towards women, but it's any parent who is a stay-at-home parent and then um, maybe is an empty nester now or went through a divorce or a separation. And it is a, a work re-entry program, which I think is very necessary and, and pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely nice because my mom knew a bunch of stuff, but it was just because it had been 20 20- years or whatever it was like yeah you can't just go back and be like I'm back. <laughs> like, you know medical technology has evolved quite a bit you know over that time period and everything absolutely. some things are done differently and whatnot and so she needed to be re-educated but did she doesn't necessarily mean need everything no exactly. like the no, basics were already there you know. get another undergrad or whatever like <laughs> no 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 <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, she had go, she had come up in the time when you didn't need any kind of college or anything to be in. You know, you just like you. the hospital taught you what you needed to know to do yeah. the job. And that what was all you needed. doing this still? It's because college is a corporation. Go, higher education is a scam, in my opinion. It's a pyramid scheme, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. It's a scam. And yeah. there's no reason that we aren't just training people. Back in the day, the kids who want to want to work in the, at the blacksmith, they just go to the blacksmith right. and they say, here, I'm here. Here's my resume. I want to work hard. Let me tell you about the saddest thing. Oh. I mean, it's not the saddest thing ever, but like the saddest okay. thing in my career was my first job. I worked for a company and there had been a guy who had been at that company his whole life. I think, I think, wow. think that he had been working there since he was 16 oh or God. something. And he was in his 60s and he had worked his way up from being a kid helping out in the factory to being an engineer well the company had been bought out by another company before i went to work there and they were basically telling him well nobody can do engineering work that doesn't have an engineering degree and this is a guy that worked his way up through the factory to being like a drafter to doing like actual because you know he had been around the product so much he had just learned it all he knew how to do that job and he knew what was needed and all that stuff and he like looked at like and, and they told him like hey we'll pay for your schooling you know we'll pay for it and what waste four years of his life right right a man in his 60s and so Are he ended Right. And so like he ended up retiring, like not because he wanted to. He was like, yeah, I could work, you know, because he loved that place. He loved it. He wanted to work there longer. But he's like, what's the point in going to school? And of course, he'd have to work part time or go to school part time because he had to work full time. So how long is that? That's more than four years because, you know, you're just taking like a class or two a semester. That's forever. He's like, yeah, like, what's the point? Like, I don't have it in me to get a bachelor's degree anymore. And so he retired. And, and it's like that, that to me, like they got rid of a good person because the company just like, that was just their standard of, we only hire people with bachelor's degrees to do engineering work. 
Yes. So here's my thing. Remember when I was saying the inhuman thing, we need to call out Mm. people who are having inhuman behavior. This, it's also not only inhuman, but illogical behavior. How dare you tell the most hardworking, loyal and experienced employee you have that you got from the acquisition of this company that they need to then go back to college when they're in their sixties. That is disgusting. And I honestly, I would have, I would have gone on strike if I was at that workplace. That sounds horrifying to me that is so uh, really oof nathan i can't believe i can't believe yeah because to me it's like okay i understand if you want somebody to start out as an engineer then you hire people with an engineering degree but if somebody has demonstrated that they have the knowledge and ability and have been working you know and have worked their way I, i see i see no reason why you wouldn't allow somebody to also work their way up into that position if they show that they have the knowledge the drive all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah yeah give him a test if you need to the funny <laughs> thing is he took he took the long route he took the hard route he didn't right. pay and get the cheap the shortcut and go to a four-year school he paid he paid his dues from 16 to 60 that's way harder than four years is that wherever whatever the school oh my yeah. gosh nathan what's this man's name he needs an award who is oh, he well i mean he's he's well, dead now he's but this away. is okay. this is years ago yeah okay well we we are sending our love to him and and he's the best honestly that's it yeah. jack uh, was his, i mean his name was jack. jack oh my gosh jack okay from now on jack is like meaningful to us oh. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just making this a thing jack yeah. This is the thing. Well, I want Jack to- is also my grandfather's name. So like it has like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it is meaningful. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. Now I'm like obsessed. Maybe I'll name my firstborn Jack because this is like, <laughs> this is actually really touching me. I kind of like can't let it go. Like I'm kind of like can't stop talking right now. But you know, but it was like one of those things that like really early on, like sort of like affected me, like in my career of like, it's just sort yeah. of like, why, why would you do that? Why would you get rid of somebody who was already super experienced and was willing to put in more years and he wasn't like flagging or anything like oh he's getting old and he's not doing too well anymore right right so there was no reason to like try to like run him out like that but that's basically what they did because who who in their 60s is going to take that and be like yes it's actually insulting it's so insulting to this man this grown man what happened to respect your elders and here's my thing i think the reason that this is like affecting me so much and maybe it did when you heard the story but it, it's it, we have moments in our life where I call like I say it shatters your reality, right? Mm. I had a moment. I, I've had many moments after the last few years where my reality has been shattered, and it's sort of those moments where you grow into unfortunately different phases of adulthood where you're like, wow life is not fair it's true what they said life isn't fair but it's not not fair because of something we can't control it's not fair because of humans mm-hmm. we make the system this way and that's so disheartening wow jack we love you wherever you yeah. are he was a great guy he was great he was he was helpful he was like somebody like you know like sometimes when you go into a place it's like oh you're the new hire i'm gonna be protective because i don't want you to take my stuff i don't want you to supplant me so i'm gonna try to hide like the stuff that i do so that you don't learn it yeah jack he was like such a helpful guy too anything he knew he was happy to tell anyone else that needed to know it it he was great yeah yeah no he was a good guy and yeah, when I found out that he'd been working, like when he was retiring, I found out like what 16? Like that's insane. And so respectable. Like, oh my gosh, give him an award. They shouldn't have forced him into retirement. They should have awarded him for his dedication to the corporate, the company and the field. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, though those were the days when they gave people watches and stuff. So I mean oh I know he, he got stuff, I, but like yeah, uh, it wasn't stuff. like <laughs> I can't. I know his what I mean is pictures should be hanging in the hall and they should write him a fat check. But anyway, <laughs> right. I digress. 
Oh, yeah. So yeah. quantum theory. No. Uh <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. Sorry. Oh my gosh. We do this every time I feel like. <laughs> Maybe next time we do have a plan. Remember? And I was like, we don't need a plan. We're great. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I said like, here's like the topics we can talk about. So it wasn't like completely loose, but it was no, just you like did, you did, yes. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go. Let's do hit our marks. Let's go for it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so the reason why we're talking about quantum theory is to to sort of pick, I mean, there were some other things I wanted to talk about, but now we're kind of going long where I was going to talk about like quantum computing, quantum teleportation, some of that. We'll get to that some other time. But- Maybe this is a series. Maybe this is our Steve <laughs> series. We're going to have to do more than one if you'll have me. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I definitely think there's there's room for more. But yeah, so string theory came about because people were trying to reconcile what is going on in the macroscopic world and what is going on in this really tiny microscopic world and how do we reconcile the things that we're seeing? And so it became this idea of, and and, and even like when they're trying to figure out like, where does gravity come from? And it's like, okay, well, if we assume that there are things called gravitons, if two gravitons hit each other, it's infinite energy. And it's like, well, that doesn't work. Like, you know, like the math, like (laughs) So what they thought is, oh, well, wait a minute. Like, what if what's generating gravity is actually a string that exists in multiple dimensions? So we don't see the string. We only see these small parts. And then it's like, well, what if everything in the universe is actually strings? And so we just see, like, some portion of these strings that are extruded into our reality. But the rest of them are, like, wrapped around in these other dimensions, whether it's 10 total dimensions to the universe or 11 total dimensions to the universe. There is an argument. I mean, I do laugh about some of this because obviously I'm not one of the researchers that does this. People get very worked up about this. They do, for sure. There's definitely like hardcore old school string theory fans and then like the new M theory fans, for sure. Oh, and the people who believe all of it's a bunch of nonsense who are very dogmatic about that. And then the thing that I think is hilarious is the people who are like dogmatic about like one way or the other one. I'm like, nothing's been proven one way or the other about any of this. Fair enough, but... True. But, and it never will be because we can't see it. Well, never is a long time. You're and right. You're, you're technology right. does keep improving. At some point, we might be able to determine like an experiment that can actually prove this or not. It's just like right, right now, we have no way of formulating like an experiment that proves the existence of strings. Maybe you and I think of it. Um, okay, let's talk about these strings. Let's talk about the different shapes. Wait, mm-hmm. let me pull up a drawing so I can see them myself. <laughs> yeah, and this will be in the show notes too. Sweet. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we would even describe that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, so these, like, remember when we said an hour ago that we <laughs> that we couldn't see see the strings? Oh, you already said that because they're, like, either folded up or curled, coiled up or whatever it is. Ooh, right, and they're, like, coiled up into multiple dimensions, too. So it's, like, dimensions yeah. we don't perceive. They're beyond our three dimensions, and that's... Yeah. And some people think that this might actually, like, explain the multi... Like, like there might actually be, like, a multiverse because of this, too, of like, these other dimensions that exist. But that's that's getting more into the science fiction realm, so let's stay more on, like, well, what, like... I mean, is it? Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, I well, okay. Well, I mean, true. One of the things I did want to talk about was warp drive, which is something that is something that now scientists think is possible, but is also kind of in the science fiction like realm. But like, anyway, let's. You know what's so through. hilarious? I actually just one thing about this. I think it's so funny. Like our whole conversation has kind of been about like right brain, left brain, and I do have to say, I know personally engineers, like technical engineers, mm-hmm. like people working robotics, etc. 
who believe that people who work in theoretical sciences are basically the same as science fiction authors. They're like, right. okay, but help us here and now. Let's focus on what's in front of us. Thank you. <laughs> right. Now, I think I think I, I heard you say once that you watched The Big Bang Theory, right? I've seen it, yes. Okay, yeah. So there's the idea of Wallowitz, who is an engineer, and Sheldon, of course, is a theoretical physicist. And the sort of sniping between the two of them is that same sort of thing of like applied science versus the theoretical science yes. and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing that goes back because it's like, yeah, yeah, I can say as an engineer, I design the things that actually like do practical work. Absolutely. And then there's the theoretical person who's like, well, you couldn't do any of that until we did the equations to show that it could be done. So, you know, it's... yeah, it's like chicken or egg. But all right. I have to say is that half of us, half of us, you like how I include myself, even though I'm not a scientist. Half <laughs> of us, I want to like, I guess, improve life here and now for the humans in this I'm going to say space time again. I don't know why that's my new favorite variable, but it describes everything so perfectly. Right. You want to help people in this space time. And then there's people who want to work and help people help the species entirely to understand our surroundings. Mm -hmm. So the idea is like there are gravity particles and their strings instead of dots, the energy is distributed among the string. And then that could actually be like a real thing. And so that's one of the things that string theory actually solves is that kind of a problem and because these strings vibrate differently that's why we have different kinds of particles so it's yeah. the vibrations that cause them to exhibit as different kinds of things yes and that's like a main feature i'm sorry i didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> i took these notes just because i was like i'm trying to explain hard concepts and the thing is even though i watch stuff about like Nova is a show that I watch a lot of because oh, like absolutely. it's a different it's a different topic every every time and yes, so I it's like it. it's really cool so like you can learn about all sorts of things from the humanities through to any branch of science or whatever you'll learn a little bit and so that's the thing I'm kind of like a generalist when it comes to science I'm not like too deep into any one thing and I was like all right I've seen a Nova about string theory I understand it in sort of like a basic sort of terms but I was like I better write things down just to make sure that I don't forget <laughs> Oh my gosh, you you're know, so like smart. important things. Yeah, my mind is like <laughs> blanking. I like, I did the same thing where I spent like a week obsessed with something. I was like, I want to know everything about and theory right now. Anyway. Yeah. And the other thing that it helps them with is describing the inside of a black hole. Because yes. when you look at everything and think of everything as a particle, like again, you run into the infinity problem of once you crunch everything down to super small and super dense and it's just like, well, everything you need, you need infinite energy to describe it or whatever. And again, if there's strings, then you can actually describe what that interior of a black hole is like. And so that's one of the things that scientists find useful about it. But the problem is that all these different researchers looking into strings came up with five different mutually exclusive theories. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it's great. And some of them, just to make the math work, have the, and that's when we talk about the different dimensions. Mm -hmm. it, ha it have to have them in order for it to, like, quote unquote, make sense. Right. And the other problem is, like, they require supersymmetry, which is the concept that every particle that exists also has a partner with a spin that's different by one half of a unit. Yes. Okay. I love supersymmetry because <laughs> it's honestly back to critical pairs. I swear. I, I seriously think this is so cool and very interesting. So from my understanding, the quote unquote universe was created by two black holes. Am I losing my mind? 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ideas about what created the universe as far as like, you know, it could be two different membranes of two previous existences that smashed together is another one that I've heard. But yes, there's different theories about what started the Big Bang. But basically, the most theories I have heard is that it's two things that collide in some Mm -hmm. way or something happens. And so that would kind of support the supersymmetry theory. And it also would support, I think... Uh, sort of the oh gosh you were saying it oh in the beginning of conversation you said it oh no 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 I'm losing it okay wait you you wait 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 gravity gravity like what generated gravity is that Uh, no 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 it was something you were saying something about damn it see I take notes and I should have taken more notes (laughs) (laughs) I take notes I know what to say comment on what you're saying and then I lose track sorry go ahead No, it's fine. (laughs) But see, here's the thing. So a lot of people have said, well, string theory has no basis because you've given us five theories instead of one and we can't observe the supersymmetry. So is it even real? But like one of the things that they've discovered is like, do is what's called dualities and i think this is getting kind of to what you're talking about emma where they discovered ways of couching one branch of math in the terms of another branch of math in a way that they are then able to solve problems that you weren't able to solve before because you've restated it in a different way and they said that the dualities work and that the math works So something about this seems to be right. Like something about this, even if they don't have the full picture yet, they haven't discovered the actual theory of everything. Like something about this is right. And that leads us to M theory named after our guest. Yes, absolutely. Named after me. (laughs) (laughs) According to myself in my dream. And and the M, so this is something that I didn't realize. M, the M and M theory stands for membrane. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I'm done. So now we're we're describing these strings as maybe they're more like a membrane. So even like a more complicated shape than just like a string. But the same idea, you can fold a membrane in on itself and you can twist it around and stuff like that. And so with M theory, they're able to express these different string theories in terms of the others. And so again, some people think that maybe these different theories all have application in specific cases. So maybe it's not like it's a problem as far as, well, there's no theory that describes everything. Maybe the fact is all five of them are valid in specific cases, and we just need to figure out the rest of the thing that links them and causes them to be a whole expression of the universe. The universe, yes. And I actually think M-theory, for what it's worth, like, I can't say what's what, but I think it's that concept of it being like, I don't know, again, I don't have the technical terms, like multifaceted in, Mm -hmm. in, in more ways than just like, it's a string. Like, I think that holds a lot of water for me personally, just as far as knowing the concepts of the universe and that not everything can just be like, I don't know how to say it, but fuck, I need to go to school. <laughs> right. I mean, it's compelling to me just because of the fact of like, it bothered me once I started learning about quantum theory and it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> like, there's got to be something that explains this in some yeah, way. There's more to it. There's absolutely more. What is the latest in M theory? Do we even know what? Are we up to date? What's the new hot take? Oh, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, the fact that M theory to me is like the hot take. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I remember learning about string theory and then it was like, oh, okay, like we're now combining everything. And oh, that's kind of interesting. And so they express things now as what they call D brains. And the D is the number of dimensions. So three brain, four brain, five brain, you know, like however many dimensions this membrane exists in. And so that's part of how they're doing it. But as far as the actual math of it, I could never explain it to you. But to me, the interesting part is 
We'll put but it in the show notes. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. No. Like, yes. I have links to all of these things. I spent time researching. So anyone who wants to do the rabbit hole and wants to just like go down, you can do that at home. But to me, the interesting part is the expression of everything and the, the search for that. And nobody else has come up with anything else. And that's the thing. So maybe this is wrong, but nobody else has an alternative. So like, to me, that's pretty neat. I know, but who's to say what is wrong? Like people are like string theory turned into M theory. No, it's all kind of the same project. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we spent a hundred years making sure that Einstein was right. Well, what's the next thing? You know what I mean? Well, I do get the point that some people are saying like, but everything Einstein predicted is something we can observe in some way. We've now developed the technology to be able to figure out that the thing, you know, there were experiments that could prove the things that he said, whereas there aren't any experiments yet. That's exactly why it's quantum. That's why it exists in the quantum world, right? Because we can't, we can't observe it yet. Yeah. So I live in hope that we will one. Okay, well, now let me ask you, what is your opinion what is my opinion? Yeah, what do you what do you think holds the most water? What do you think feels or sounds the best? Oh, oh, I think M theory is going to turn out to be the basis of the correct answer. I don't know that it's like they like I mean even the people who are developing M theory are like it's not done. Yeah, of course. But I think that it is going to end up being the basis for the correct answer because they keep learning new things. And they're like, even this concept of dualities, they've then applied to other things too, where they're like, wow, this is like this really useful concept that where we're now using in other branches of physics that restating math from one branch in the terms of another. And so it's like, that seems like that's not an accident. It's not like some sort of coincidence or whatever. Like that I think that they're finding some fundamental truism yeah. in the universe here. I'm going to ask a silly question because I'm new to the world, right? If you remember, I was in prison for 27 years. Why did no one think of that before? Why did no one think of exp- like of like, tracking someone by way of some something, another kind of math, like making it making it work out by something else? I mean, why? Why? I don't know. I mean, that, that's the thing that I think I, I, I would need more. I would need to find like better sources or be able to talk to somebody that's in science to like understand like how where this came from again. Like, because the things I'm reading are things at a very high level because I wanted to explain these to the, the audience. I'm not super knee deep in all of this to determine why things happen this way. But yeah, it seemed kind of obvious to me too. I was like, wait, like nobody's done that before. (laughs) Right. And can I ask sort of a weird, also high level kind of like pop culture question? Why don't we get more people who have multifaceted backgrounds in working on this? If this is supposed to be the answer to what our universe is, Clearly, nobody said, hey, let's try it this other way, where we check via many different points. It's sort of like a little bit odd to me. All right. Well, I think this one has an easy answer. Follow the money. There's no money in it yet. There's nothing that string theory has given us or M theory that is something that has produced something that can form a profit. And so, of course, there's no like the research grants aren't going to be big. You know, (laughs) my heart so bad because to me, this is the most exciting thing. I didn't I don't know if I told you this, but I'm like writing a little like paper on why they should let me like be a mentee or be like a be like a free intern at Caltech because I Hmm. definitely want to learn more about this. I didn't get to go to college. I was told, no, you have to be an actor. And so I desperately want to learn like all the technical sides to these amazing concepts that I like spend so much time like Googling or whatever. Yeah. And I just, it's so sad. And then I did have the realization at one point, I was like, wait, there is no money in this. Why not? Like, this is it for me, right? Doesn't this seem like the most interesting part of 
the world? I don't know. I don't oh, know. I mean, I agree with you. I find this stuff fast. But yeah, the money and research is always going to be on the things that generate a product that in some way can be marketable or whatever. That's where the research grants go. So I think that's the problem. And you know what else? I just realized this as well. Things get money. If the, things get mu- funds if they can make money back. Also, if they can be used as weapons. That's true. Yeah. Then when the multiversal war happens, then maybe this will get <laughs> can you imagine? some grant money. <laughs> yeah, right. They'll go be calling us up. Okay. Right. <laughs> Recruiting us um, and texting us five times a day. Like, do you want to join the U.S. engineering branch or whatever, the theoretical <laughs> physics branch of the U.S. military? <laughs> now I'm kind of sad because now I'm realizing, like, I, I know we, we went on all those tangents, but it kind of does all come back to the fact that, like, these things aren't valued and I don't know why they're not. Mm-hmm. Because there are people like me that are would be like so grateful for the opportunity just to like sit in a lecture hall. Yeah, it does seem crazy to me that even to just audit a class that you need to pay for it, like just to sit in it. You don't get graded. You don't get a degree from it. You don't get anything. It's just like you're just there. Like the class is happening regardless. Why can't you just listen to it? I mean, truthfully, I would watch through the window. I don't mind. <laughs> like whatever you let me do. Just like, I don't know if it's a field that's like. It's almost an, like, you know, we talk about how like viola is an endangered instrument. I feel like yes. being parts of the hard sciences are also sort of endangered in a way, which makes me sad, but because yeah. everyone's trying to be an influencer and an actor, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I th- yeah. Yeah. The hard sciences, I mean, it's, it's difficult because again, a lot of that stuff is theoretical and isn't generated, but they've proven that products do come from it so it's never going to go away completely but it's just one of those things of it's not seen as the priority it's better for somebody who can you can produce something through this research that's how they're always going to look at it is like what creates something and like you say weapons weapons are probably more prioritized than they should be. i know which is so sad but what about knowledge isn't knowledge a weapon isn't knowledge the most powerful tool we have if i got in a car wreck tomorrow and had nothing but my brain wouldn't it be the most important thing to me isn't that humanity in our heads you know yeah i agree with you like i say i would love to see education get a lot more attention i mean we <laughs> i mean we talked about the idea of the structure of education I feel like funding for education should be a far bigger priority and all of that. I mean, that's a whole other. (laughs) We pay some of the most important people in our society the lowest salaries. Well, no wonder a lot of, like, I don't know what your experience was. And I know that you were acting through, through through part of your childhood. So I don't know if you were like, attending like a traditional school or not. But a lot of the times you would find a lot of the teachers would be jaded and unhappy and everything too. And it's like, well, yeah, because you, it's a thankless job. You get like all these kids and yeah, maybe some of them will be kids that get along with you and respect you. But a lot of the kids, they're snotty. They're trying to test their boundaries and so you have to deal with a lot of crap all the time and they're not learning like they should and they don't respect what you're teaching them and pay them like almost nothing. Like no wonder so many of these teachers are jaded and unhappy. It's literally, people don't understand. Teachers have to pay for many, many things from their own paycheck. So people don't like, you know how we say like, oh, servers get paid nothing because we know they get tips. For teachers, it's the opposite. They get paid nothing and they have to pay tips. They have to pay for the materials and the resources. It's absolutely the most disturbing. And like you said, I would actually, you said one of the most important jobs. Yikes. I would actually disagree. I would say the 
most important job. And that goes for any field that surrounds our youth, right? Because they yeah. are the future. They are us. Without them, there's no survival of our species. I was them. leaving room for doctors and things, but you know. Like... Yes, but with, without educators, there are no doctors. Well, fair. I'm just like, I, 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 I no, find it hard right. to wait right. all of They're these things. No, right. Right. <laughs> exactly. But it should not be underestimated how important teachers are. And again, I feel like the education system is failing a lot of be a lot of kids are failing, but the education system is failing our kids because Absolutely. I don't think that any of that is a foregone conclusion. And I think that there's a lot of more effort should be put into there's a joke my dad used to say that those who can't do teach. And there might be some truth to that, but that's only because of the way we prioritize education in our society. We want the best possible people. Like, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're the smartest person in a field. Just because you're good at science doesn't mean you teach you're science great. well. Absolutely. It's a completely different field, in fact. Right. But we want the best possible person who can teach science. Yes, yes. To absolutely. students of certain ages in that role, doing that. But if you, you're really good at science, you make a lot more money working for this corporation over here than you will that, you know, as a teacher. And so a lot of people, I think, who can, who would be the best educators end up not doing that because they're looking at the paycheck instead of the importance of what that is. And I think that as a society, we should turn that so that the pay is a lot better and we create more incentives to attract people into those education roles so that they can do that. I know that's different from it for like university research that we're talking about, but at the same time, it's important because the, the whole education system from top to bottom needs to exactly. be like, yeah, reprioritized. And Nathan, I have to point something out. It's really exciting to hear you talk about yourself. <laughs> so here you talk about people who would be amazing educators just unfortunately they can't literally cannot make a livable wage doing it literally oh okay all right so you you are thank you but also actually i do have a problem because i jump forward too much no that's not a problem because someone like me like as a kid i i was the annoying kid they used to have to put me in the hallway to do my math and science work by myself because I was too, they, my teachers would describe me as Hermione Granger. I was, <laughs> I was basically too annoying. I answered every question. I wanted to move as quick as possible. And like I said, with the four different teaching styles, there are different, people's brains work differently. And my brain works in the way that I would have really loved to have you as a teacher. Oh. No, seriously, where you say it one time and then you move on because I don't need it to be said in a hundred different ways for a hundred different people with a hundred different learning styles. Like, you know, we all are different. And I think, I don't think that is a problem. I think that's actually- Oh, well, I mean, okay. I mean, I, I, well, thank you. Uh, again, thank you. I, 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 I have found that I frustrate people sometimes when I try to teach them because I move forward too quickly. And maybe for certain people, like, I would be the perfect person, but I'm not sure I'm the best educator just because I feel like I would do that where it's like, so I've said this, so let's go, right. go to the next Moving thing. On. And like, yes, right. yes I'm, I'm the same way, but the opposite where people get up. I get frustrated and tell me if you feel this way. I get frustrated with people and sometimes it ends up with me using a rude tone or sounding rude. And I, I apologize for that. I really do. But when, when I can't get answers from people fast enough, it makes me very frustrated. If I ask someone a yes or no question and they refuse to answer me without going into a long 50 minute spiel, I get very frustrated because I'm desperate for the education. I'm desperate for the knowledge. Please answer my question. Please tell me the next thing. I don't need your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on it. I just want to know the facts. When you were talking about, I'm like, I was never put outside, but I hear you and I feel you. 
<laughs> like deep in my heart. I am that horrible kid that everybody hated that raised their hand for every question yes. Yes. and was constantly like, oh yeah, like I want to demonstrate that I know these things. Yes. That affirmation, like I don't know why that affirmation is so important, but I'm like, yes, I want to prove that I know these things. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Wait, Nathan, I think I have an answer for you because for me, it's, it feels like it's a validation or like a, a proving I know it, but actually what it is, it's me telling the teacher, please move on to the next portion of the lesson. I'm ready to move on, please. I'm begging you. It's so frustrating. Like that thing they say that kids get bored in class. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I, I feel you. And I wasn't even like a horrible school or anything. Yeah, same. It was one of the, I mean... It's one of the best rated schools in South Carolina, which we went to an amazing school. (laughs) So, so, which South Carolina tends to be on the low end of the rankings of education. But my argument is like the highest rated school in South Carolina, like in the top, you know, few schools is probably on par with a fairly good school in other places, even though South Carolina as a whole, its education is usually between 47th and 50th in the nation. Not that I paid attention. (laughs) <laughs> depending on the year not that i've ever checked ever we used to say thank god for alabama oh <laughs> that's probably mean you. you guys just need more resources we love you <laughs> i'm sorry anybody who's listening to this from alabama this, this is just a joke no you know? no, just, no 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 just, we ribbing, are... just gentle ribbing we're not we're not even chirping them. We are just saying that they are under resourced in education. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I and mean, a lot of a lot of the states in the deep south are like that. There was like the bottom five who would all just change rotate rankings every year. Five. Yeah, they just all rate rotate like who was fiftieth any given year. And that's the thing. I, we are, we're like joking and laughing, but the truth is that comedy is a defense mechanism and mm-hmm. we both actually know that this is a problem and that's why we're joking about it. So Right. The discrepancies in education and everything are really bad. Even like we say within the state, even within South Carolina, the difference between me who went to one of the best schools in the state versus somebody who is in one of the really poor areas of the state, really rural poor areas, one who had like one of the worst schools in the state was still a huge discrepancy in education and what was available and everything. So I get that. And I get that that's wrong that, you know, like we shouldn't have that. And the reason they do that is because the money doesn't follow the child, which is so silly because obviously the funding should follow the child. It -hmm. doesn't matter where the child lives or what community they're going to school in. There always should be the same amount of funds per student at every school. Not these schools with like these huge, like they have four gyms and a new theater and all this stuff and their teachers actually get paid and they have actual textbooks. Because I went to a school, I went to high school in uh, the Los Angeles uh, school system, the public school system. And there was one year in the same year I had a teacher I had a teacher who, not that year, I had a very abusive teacher. And then I had a teacher who didn't literally did not have enough chairs nor desks for the students in their class. So mm. people would like stand at the back of the room for class. And this is high school. This is something we are owed. This is like, we're truant if we don't go. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. It's a must. And then the next year I found out that that mean teacher got fired for punching a wall. I mean, we are mm. a mess. We are a mess in this system. Like somebody fix it. Somebody care. 
And then you have teachers who it's like should be fired and are never fired. So it's like all of that is messed up. Can we talk about tenure? Like what is yeah. what is tenure? What is that? Tenure is a problem and tenure is I think that the the original purpose of tenure was supposed to be like people shouldn't be afraid to research what they want to read. You know, so it comes from research institutions where it's like you, know, you would put someone in a tenured position so it's like they didn't have to worry about being told they couldn't research something. Like, like, they don't want to worry about their, like, um, you know, their survival or whatever. Right, exactly. Like, like yeah. you still, you are a professor in this school. You will be a professor in this yeah. school regardless of what you're researching. And yeah. so it allowed people to have that freedom. And it wasn't like the faculty can, you know, the, the high ups can tell you, no, yeah. you can only research this. But it's like, yeah, yeah we've extended this now to where like, everybody gets tenure. It's like in elementary schools. I'm like, what? <laughs> right. And some people should not be in teaching positions. And have that tendency so unless they commit a federal crime or something they don't get out of there and it's like okay that's a problem absolutely and that's what it took so that same teacher that punched a hole in the wall the year after i left while i was there he refused to let me go to the restroom during mm. he was in my math teacher and i loved math but i hated him and i was very close to peeing myself in class on purpose of course as a protest <laughs> but <laughs> but like like this whole thing where like kids can only go into the bathroom two times per semester it's like no 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 my friend that is child abuse anyway wow wow yeah that is strict <laughs> um, yeah no i i that's that's a whole other it's a whole other <laughs> can of worm and then we've been talking oh my god so some people who don't know, we were talking for like an hour before we started recording. I feel like I should have recorded some of that material, but we've been talking for a couple hours. Like we, now we've been talking for a couple of hours. We got through quantum and string theory, which was the biggest thing, but we didn't even get through everything that I was going to say about that. Because we didn't even get through string theory. I know. You know, this like... is a good intro. This is our intro to our STEM series. So we will get this. I do. I want to ask you one more question there. Of course. Because this is something I really want to know your opinion on because it's something, yeah, it's something that is, to me, this is like a really important topic. I'm so excited. Even though it's no, it's, it's, it's not as important for the world as some of the other things we've talked about, like as far as like, as as affects as many people, but like, all right. So what do you think about privatized space travel? Nathan? Number one, elitism and abuse of power exists everywhere. I believe that anyone should be able to do any venture, study anything they want, do anything they want outside of like the government's control. Absolutely. However, what we're talking about and how it relates to the current state of our (laughs) country is absolutely diabolical. I know someone who is going on Musk's or no, not Musk, Mr. Um, uh, Virgin Galactic, Mr. Our, our buddy, they're going on his first flight and he got one of the, the, they gave out special Range Rovers that had special editions for all the millionaire, billionaire friends who are going to go do that. My personal opinion is that there are children starving in this country. So why are we making a hospitality industry in space? I don't understand it. Again, I think it would be cool if it was done for good. And I absolutely believe that like the government shouldn't own space programs like in general, like anyone should be able to do whatever they want. But I think it's so gross that all the resources and just everything, it's like these billionaires own everything. And it's like, well, what's left for the people who don't have anything to like, I don't have a million dollars or $500 million for you, Musk. 
or the other one. I, I don't. So why don't I get to participate or learn about this, you know? Yeah. So here's my take on this. Tell and me, this is because I get, I hear you. I know a lot of people feel exactly the way that you do. And I know that that is sort of the common take on this. But here's the thing. Every time we have done research into space travel, we have produced new technology that has been beneficial on Earth. And this is the thing that goes back even to when like the government was doing all the research through NASA and everything. We have developed better medical procedures because of space research. We have developed better material science through space research. We have developed all these things that are usable by people on the ground uh, in everyday lives. Absolutely. So, so much. So much of it. And so to your point, I get that the actual paying for your little trip in orbit thing, like that's, that, that's, 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 that's a huge amount of money and it's only the elites that get to do that. And I get that, but the more people are spending on figuring out how to make that more affordable, the more the technology approves and that is going to produce tangible things that people can use. And that to me is where it, The PR thing and the thing that makes all the news and everything isn't the big news. The big news is that more people are spending money on figuring out how to survive in the most inhospitable environment in the universe. Absolutely. And if we can figure out how to survive and operate in that environment, then we can survive and operate better in our environment. And so that is my pitch. That is my argument about, I don't love these people. I don't love Musk. I don't love any of these people. I am not pro multi-billionaire, but I do feel like people are letting their hatred of billionaires not looking at like the glorious thing it is that now it's not just Russia and the United States governments controlling access to space. And the thing is, this is going to be a process, right? These people have the money to do this. And that's the problem. Space travel is really expensive. But as they learn how to make it more cost-effective, smaller and smaller businesses and entities will also be able to figure out how to do it and make it cost-effective. It it has to operate that way or it will never progress to that point. And I get these guys are making a huge amount of money and everything, and they already have a huge amount of money, and they're not the best people in the world. I get all that, but I feel like people are letting that sort of hatred of the 1% miss the glorious thing that is happening. That is my take. You're absolutely correct. And I will even go, I'm actually going to connect this to a conversation we had earlier, where I said that the the best and greatest technologies were all developed for war. Well, what was the space race, if not war? So this, the second worst thing to war would be capitalism. And so that's where we're at now, where you said, you know, the reason that there aren't many quantum physicists is because it doesn't pay the big bucks, right? No one's putting money into it. And so what you're saying is absolutely true. I just wish that someone like Musk would take some of their wealth and instead, oh, this is great. And this connects to the education thing we talked about. Instead of buying, like doing bad things on, you know, indigenous land, maybe instead he uses some of his funds to create like an aerospace school, mm-hmm. you know, like like for kids who know at 16, they want to, they want to work in, in space travel or whatever, or in the technology that surrounds it. And then they can go to the Musk center for whatever it is, like, instead of doing the, the whole four year, 18 years old thing. Like, I just want to see a little bit more philanthropy, I guess, just a little bit more good, but you're correct because someday this will be commonplace. Yeah, and that's and that's the only thing that I want to say is I will never say that Elon Musk is a great human being. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. like we should all strive to be like him. You know, any of these big multi-billionaires, and even the ones who are involved in philanthropic well, we ventures, 
Yeah. They're very, very minor compared to their total wealth. Yeah. I get that. I, I understand that. I'm just saying, ignore them and just look at the human achievement that is happening. Oh, it's it's amazing. And it sort of goes to what you said. And I, I hate to compare anyone to anyone who is like terrible. And I'm not, I'm just going to say, I'm going to preface this by saying I am not making a direct comparison. So nobody cancel me for this, LOL. Earlier, you made note of terrible, terrible things that have happened in the medical field in history Mm -hmm. and how we absolutely would never approve of those things. We wish they hadn't had happened. We do not like them. We think they're evil. We hate them. At the same time, what also can be true is that things did come out of that technologies or advancements that we use today. And I think to a lesser level of evil, that's sort of the thing with the wealth hoarding where, you know, there are kids in this country who don't have food or shelter. Elon Musk could house and feed lots of children, but he doesn't. But there still will be good that comes out of it. So yeah. it's just, it's like this, you know, like kind of. I'm not making exact comparison because, of course, I'm never going to compare anyone to the the horrors of the past. But it is an interesting, um, maybe an interesting, I don't know, a pattern of behavior that good things come sometimes out of very bad dark places yeah no and i i completely agree with that and i i definitely agree that even the people who are involved in space travel as a private venture or whatever could be doing it in a different way or whatever but i'm just saying the benefits will come but it always lags behind the actual because yeah. people said like the government like nasa shouldn't be putting stuff in space or whatever like, that was the argument like back in the 60s is why are all our tax dollars going to this yeah what it's is not important yeah. What is this? Why are we doing space research? But it's always paid off eventually. There's always been something that comes back and it affects the lives of regular people. That's the, to me the thing about this cool, about, you know, I want space travel so that I can go up in space, you know, and I can fly around. But Wait, you do, Nathan? You want to? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, my gosh, you're a lunatic. What? <laughs> No, not at present technology. I mean, like, oh, I want yeah, something yeah, like no. Star Trek. I want to yeah, oh, get to oh, like that, you know, like, When you no. put it that way, maybe I want that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we don't get there without that. And the thing is, they've right. already brought costs down by like, a factor of a hundred, you know? So it's like from what NASA had to spend for doing it. So it's like, they're figuring that out. They're figuring yeah. out how to make it more cost effective. And that's the thing. That's a process that needs to happen. And you're not going to get some mom and pop to do their own spaceship, you know, because they don't have the money. So You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a thing that upset me how mad people were about, because to me, it's like, I get that the money could be spent on other things, but I also get that some forms of research need to be done. Getting back to what we were talking about with research, some forms of research don't see return on investment right away and you just got to do yeah. them to do the research, you yeah. know, to figure out, you know, how it can be useful. I know it's benefiting like people, but heck, heck our government isn't the greatest thing either and they were benefiting oh, exactly. off of space yeah, travel. Yeah, they're also for... not like go government either. I'm not a fan of any of these guys. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> All right. Our STEM discussion, which is also and 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 encompassed thank you mouth for working which is also encompassed history philosophy um the arts basically we just talked about humanities right we're getting ready ready for the stem conversation we're We're getting we're getting ready we did talk about space at the end so that's that's a little bit thumbs up billionaires (laughs) 
education system. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. So for my five listeners who are left. <laughs> yeah, sorry friends. It was my fault. I get way off topic all the time. It's hard because if you say, if Nathan says something I'm passionate about, I'm like, yes, I have to talk about the injustices of the world. And then I get distracted. This is every conversation that Emma and I have had, by the way, just like, oh, except for the interview. The interview, the interview was different. Like the interview was different, but like every other conversation Emma and I have had, this is basically a window into it. I'm pretty sure even the interview conversation, I was like, and another thing. (laughs) We did go a little bit, but it was far, far more contained than every other discussion that we've had. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we all, we owe all of you a a true STEM, a true STEM episode. Yeah. Nathan will have me back after this. Well, I ruined it. Oh, oh yeah. No, this has been fun. This has been fun. (laughs) Hopefully everybody listening has had fun too. And like, by God, if we haven't at least generated some feedback off of this episode, I don't know what will. Right? I've been canceled several times. <laughs> Feel free to write or post on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or tweet to us or whatever. Like, let us know your thoughts about this episode. I'm sure we've made you angry about something. <laughs> It's true. We've hit all the big ones. Space travel, billionaires, Nazis. We've talked about slavery and Nazis in this episode. I'm like, oh my God. I hope none of this gets taken out of context. Well, because we've actually had a very like in-depth intellectual conversation about why these things are important. Mm. No, no, I, I... And if you guys want to tweet at us, go ahead and we'll answer any questions you have if you didn't understand us. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Because you're like not even on Twitter anymore. (laughs) So you're like, tweet to us. I'm just sending Nathan. Nathan will respond to whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Nathan will take care of it. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) All right. Well, Emma. Is there anything that you wanted to mention before you go? Anything that you want to plug or talk about? Well, sorry, that's my dog. Um, Nathan and I are doing a new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget to check us out. <laughs> no, I have nothing to say. I just, I adore you. And thank you for having me once again. I always appreciate um, being able to talk about anything and everything. Like we say, everything, everywhere, all at once. So. That's right. Uh, well, I, I absolutely love having you on the show and having the craziest conversations. But did you did you want to mention your TikTok? Nah. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> <laughs> for letting me plug myself. Nah. I mean, check me out. I'm in a film called Oppenheimer later this summer. So go see it if you want. I don't know. <laughs> well, you've been, you've been downplaying that so much. Like every time that I have talked to you or mentioned it or whatever, you've been like, yeah, they probably cut me out. And I'm like, wait a minute. Aren't you playing like, his daughter or something? Like, <laughs> Yeah, sister-in-law. But yeah, oh, I, don't, I think they okay. probably did cut me out. But that's okay. See it anyway. <laughs> Go see it. It'll be like a good five and a half hours long. It's a bunch of white men in suits um, destroying Native American land. So have fun. <laughs> you have the best plugs. Wait, yeah, yeah. I'm great. Christopher Nolan loves me. Um, Wait, add this to our list for our actual STEM episode. We should talk about... We should talk about... um. Oh, oh, a Manhattan Project. We should talk about it. Oh. Actually, like we said earlier, things that are bad in history that come, you know, sort of like um, innovation comes from them. That's a very good. Oh, no, actually, that's really good. 
So the thing is, we talked about doing this episode, and then there were like four or five weeks in between. And the whole time, I'm like, oh my god, here's another thing we could talk about. Here's another thing we could talk about. Here's another (laughs) thing we could talk about. And so nuclear power was one of the things that I was like, oh, we should talk about that, because that is such a hot-button issue with some people. And that's always an interesting one to see people's opinion on. And so that was what I was thinking about. But yeah, yeah, the Manhattan Project, yeah, this is sort of the basis, the beginning of that. I promise all of you out there listening that I will stay on topic next time. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I just get really excited. I'm so sorry. We'll just end up talking about like Powerpuff Girls and My Little Pony. Honestly, like that's. <laughs> I'm like, power? Oh, Powerpuff? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because it's. You people I, like, think we're joking, but. Yeah, people think we're joking. We're dead serious. I most likely have ADHD, but that is okay. <laughs> it is okay, friends. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, all right, Emma, it has been so great to have you on, and this has been a lot of fun. And yeah, uh, looking forward to having round two, unless we talk about one of those other things that we've been talking about doing, like, an episode about (laughs) also. Yeah, we have a lot lot coming up, friends, so keep a lookout. That's right. And maybe, maybe, I have mentioned this demo before, but we don't know about timing and everything because a lot's going on. Maybe even for episode 200. (gasps) Exciting. Coming up very soon. So anyway, (laughs) Emma, once again, thank you for being on the show and everybody at home. Thank you for being long suffering with us. Yes, thank you so much. We're so grateful. And again, like send your feedback. I am really curious because this is so different from how we normally do the show. And I just really want to know, do you like this? Did you find it fun? Did you find it informative at all? We actually talked about real science. Did you find it enraging at all? Maybe. Right. Do you feel that the sound of music should remove all the Nazi elements? <laughs> yes. If so, let me know. You can do that at everything at 42cast.com or you can tweet to us at 42cast or go to Facebook or Instagram at 42cast. It's 42cast everywhere. <laughs> and Emma's actually seen the Hitchhiker's Guide now, so she understands that. Yes. And next <laughs> I'm going to watch the BBC uh, special miniseries and read the book. So get ready. I'm going to give a full breakdown of my opinions. And you must all listen to it. Just kidding. You know, ironically, even though it is the basis for the name of this show, I have not done a Hitchhiker's Guide episode. So if you actually watch the miniseries and read, I would say read the first two books, just because the miniseries actually goes through the second book also. But read the first two books, and then we should do an episode talking about Hitchhiker's Guide across media. Oh my gosh, Nathan, how have you not done this before? I'm shocked. This is genius. The reason why, do you want to know the reason why? I haven't read the book since I was like a teenager, and I feel like I I feel like I was like, oh god, I got to reread the books, and I don't have time to reread the books. I've seen I've seen the miniseries fairly recently again, but uh, yeah, I haven't read the books in a long time, and that's a much bigger investment than watching the movie again. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway. Anyway. Now we're actually gonna go. (laughs) I promise this time. Right. All right, but yeah, join us back next time and we're going to talk about something else, but I don't know what that is yet because I have to figure out what number episode this is. But anyway, take care, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye, You have been listening to the 42 cast, copyright 2023. Got a question for the ultimate answer? 
contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.